Tapes is supported by Horrified, the website that celebrates and champions British horror, covering films, television, books, fiction and more. You can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at horrifiedmag. The Tapes is part of the Pod Dojo Network. Lucy, when did you sort of first come across it or see it? I mean, I, de- I, I definitely was too young and would have been far too scared to watch any horror film, actually, when I was sort of a early teen. Um, I was too scared to go into the horror section of the video shop, in fact. Didn't even want to see the horror films. Um <laughs> Uh, but I, I was trying to think. I can't remember when I saw it. I have, I have this. Um, I know that a friend, a school friend, sort of, you know, played it on a sleepover or something like that. But I must have been a bit older, you know, late teens, I think, to have tolerated it. And mm. I don't think it made an enormous impression on me at first. But I I guess I must have remembered enough of it that when I started being more interested in some of the themes of the film, I I started um, probably projecting, yeah, some some more onto it than I actually remembered. Jennifer, what was your... Yeah, well... Um, as I've mentioned to you before, Chris, I've got um, two brothers. One of them is four years older than me, Francois. And um, so 92, I would have been 10. Um, he would have been 14. And I think pretty much, I'd, he didn't watch it at the cinema, but I think it came out on VHS within a year or so after that. And he, um, like my other brother, somehow can always get hold of pirate videos. And he got it quite soon. And I, I, I don't blame, but um, I got introduced to all sorts of things I should never have been watching quite young because of my older <laughs> brother. So Alien, Predator, all the, you know, disgusting things that were like, ah! So yeah, I watched Candyman in, in early teens and it was horrifying when I first watched. I mean, it's so scary. It's, um, I mean, it's scary because you know, of like the the voice and the whispers and, and the bees and the gore. But yeah, very early on, always rated it as one of probably the best horrors I'd ever watched. And I think even revisiting it recently, things have come along so well with technology, but even revisiting it and watching it as an old film, it's still quite horrifying and really impactful. Mm-hmm. So massive fan. 
I watched it and thought it was a it was a really good horror film and was full of really interesting ideas. It wasn't what I expected it to be. I expected it to be kind of more like sort of Freddy Krueger or mm. kind of a, a villain of that kind of ilk. So again, when I went back and watched it a bit more, I suppose a bit more worldly, I picked up on the the wider themes of. Like we obviously we're going to be discussing things like race and class and you know the whole social housing and history and all those sort of really interesting aspects to it that I don't know must have gone right over my head when I, yeah. when I originally watched it. Um, and it's the one that stuck that honestly has has really stuck with me and, and and holds up so well because you've got an interesting kind of female lead who is has agency who is maybe doesn't make <laughs> always make the right choices. <laughs> But you know, is 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 engaging and just like I say, just that kind of the stuff that I've grown to, to to become interested in as I've got older. You know, whether it's architecture and those things, to see it, it for me is just this perfect, relatively low key horror film that has a lot to say. Yeah. It doesn't always, you know, hit the mark. You know, there's some stuff I think that could have been better. I don't know. That's down to whether it's a you know. It, an Englishman directing, you know, what should be, you know, obviously he was set in America. Um, and obviously the race thing being a big thing. So I kind of, I just kept coming back to it. And then in the past couple of years, having watched it kind of, you know, there's been a couple of kind of like Blu-ray releases. It's been, I've been <laughs> quite obsessed with it because, because it is so layered. It's such a satisfying story. I think that you've got, you know, the, I suppose the villain is, much more interesting than most kind of the monsters in most horror films. He is monstrous, but he's tragic. He has kind of I, I kind of see like Dracula and the Phantom of the Opera is obviously quite a, an obvious kind of um, a similar character. But I, I just I just think it's such an interesting piece, and it just goes to show that horror can actually say the most interesting things when it comes to cinema. I can talk about wider issues or like say whether it is society you know or, or just the fact that you that, that even the, the really subtle things the way that she's sort of undermined by her husband and obviously he turns out to be an awful awful man oh he's a, he's <laughs> we'll a rotter isn't that. he trevor <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> Tre trevor is actually the villain of this I oh absolutely um, <laughs> absolutely well um we'll get to that yeah again i came to this not and also being a little bit worried because i kind of knew that there's a sort of folklore thing about you know saying someone's name as a mirror I kind of knew that as an urban legend. I didn't associate it with uh, Candyman. It was someone else's name, and I've just I looked it up, and it's um, Bloody Murray. Yeah, not not the drink. Yeah, <laughs> but um, those and, are to be encouraged. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which where well, I went did a little research. It's all about basically it was it was encouraged young women to look in a mirror while walking backwards up a flight of stairs. <laughs> So they potentially ca catch sight of the future husband's face. The pressure that y that young women have to to get married, particularly back in you know eighteenth, seventeenth century, that it's like, oh, if I walk upstairs backwards in the mirror, I'll see my future husband's face. That'll be interesting. And uh, obviously, they would see occasionally see like frightening figure. But I remember that it, what came of that was repeating the name. Uh, I think it, I think in folklore, it's three times. 
But I, I kind of knew that before I knew, obviously, in Candyman, you say his name five times. And that terrified me because I, it, because I think all, like all the best horror films and the best folklore sort of based in reality and I, I, even now i think well there's no smoke without any fire you know mm. kind of you know someone yeah. must that must you have still wouldn't do it would you <laughs> exactly. I, mean, you'd have to be pretty, I would never even now yeah <laughs> you know, would yeah. i say Candyman five times well, there's just no need is there just no, no need <laughs> you'd say it four exactly. times and then just yeah. the last <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly at primary school we kind of sat around and we had kind of like I suppose we sat in a circle and told ghost stories and there were the, the usual urban legends of the boyfriend and girlfriend you know down lover's lane and he leaves the car and then there's a banging on the roof yeah. and it's like his feet knocking or, or yeah, his yeah. head is oh on the God. roof all those kind of things it's yeah. still terrifying yeah still terrifying. that's what we used to and, say to each other in the back of like the minibus you know from like a netball match or something <laughs> or going past a graveyard and a friend yeah. of mine used to always say whenever you go past the graveyard you have to hold your breath in respect for the dead and just pathetic things like that but you know they manifest and over, over time mm. they just become synonymous with ghost stories and things so folklore and urban legends you know there's some truth to it obviously it changes over the years and it gets kind of you know changes culturally and changes over, over the times but that was always something that kind of worried me that whole idea of repeating someone's name in a mirror and suddenly here we are here's here's candy man is about yeah. to gut me kind of <laughs> starts off with this kind of bird's eye shot doesn't it of, of, of the cars moving through the, the city of Chicago and you've got Philip Glass's music which is very grand very mm -hmm. operatic mm -hmm. and quite unusual for a, a yeah, modern totally. day horror it's film. a sort of statement of intent isn't it that you've yes. got to take this film seriously yes you know because because I, I was sort of looking up what other films he scored and he, you know he, he hadn't done B movies he'd done you know he, he he's quite a heavyweight isn't he mm. and so and, and also he's very identifiable you know it's it's obvious it's him I didn't remember it was him you know when I watched it I don't know a year or so ago I hadn't remembered it was mm. Philip Glass and I was like wow mm. for, for me sort of does tie into the Phantom of the Opera motifs of, of Candyman himself being quite quite not camp, but there, there is a, a theatrical nature to him with his fur-lined coat that looks like a cape. Yeah. And, he's, and, he, and his performance is also quite Shakespearean. Yeah. Well, theatrical, isn't yeah. it? It's very, yeah. it's such a yeah, beaming and it has grandeur. such a presence. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so you have this massive kind of, you know, shot and the music and it's kind of, you know, kind of swept away with it. And then you get that kind of voiceover with, with Tony Todd's incredibly deep <laughs> rich voice yeah where he starts talking about what's blood for if not for shedding and yeah you know and it, and it, it's yeah. it starts off quite what's 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 this what's happening you yeah. know it, seems, it is hypnotic it, and you know yes it, there yeah. is the hypnotism in there and you mm. can fully appreciate why helen you know i mean i know it's much later on but whenever she engages with him it's it's as if she's drawn into this trance and that's the way mm -hmm. that he communicates with her his mouth isn't moving when you begin hearing his voice and it's um i can't remember what, it, what it's called when people is it telepathy 
um, when people communicate without speaking. And it's that whole, you just see her and she's like in a daze and the voice. She swoons, doesn't she? Yeah, she absolutely. Does, she doesn't really yeah. swoon. Just drawing her in. So after this kind of opening with the voiceover, the, this lovely transition to, to, to the skyline and then to Virginia Madsen's face. And there's this, this moment where it kind of overlaps, which is one of my favourite kind of shots in cinema where it's her face over the skyline. It's just for a second. And she looks amazing. She looks like Rita yeah. Hayworth or something. I mean, she's just what so a face. striking. And and then this is where you. She's obviously obviously this is where this young woman starts telling her about again the, the urban legend of Candyman. And what I like with this is that you do get the cliched horny teenagers, you know, kind of slasher. You know, it's almost you know a, a satire of what you expect a film called Candyman, which. I've always, I've never really got on with that title. Uh, I've always felt it's a bit. It works in the in the in the film. Mm. But if someone said to me, "Do you want to watch the film called Candyman?" I'm like, "What? What's this? You know, is it uh, you know a terrible slasher, or is it about Willy Wonka? You know, it's kind of this. <laughs> it doesn't tell me anything. And I think for a film that is very grand and you know quite, I suppose for you know. Maybe not highbrow, but the, the, there is an intent for it to be much more richer and interesting than most kind of horror films. For it mm-hmm. to be called Candyman is a little bit, you know, I think the original short story was called The Forbidden, which I think is. It would work so much title. better, wouldn't it? You know? <laughs> so, so you get this fantastic story of this, this young woman telling the story of. It's a, a, a typical urban legend of. I heard this from someone so who said this and this is what happened and so my horny friends were you know kid, he, the, my the biker boyfriend turned up in his leather jacket you know um played by Ted Raimi Sam Raimi's brother who directed hey. um Evil Dead series yeah so oh. little not I don't know if that's intentional or not but anyway um and so then it tells the story of Candyman saying his name five times. Obviously, they don't say it five times. He leaves because he's a bloke and therefore gets free pass and isn't murdered. <laughs> but but yeah. given that she's the virgin, you know, and in female. her bra, so yeah, exactly in her bra, <laughs> yeah, it's a given. I think there's a bit of commentary going on with this opening, and then he's horribly murdered, mm. and then cut back to her obviously discussing it with the teenager did you have you mentioned obviously having sharing some kind of experiences of talking about urban legends and things is there is there a, is that is that really a kind of a teenage thing i feel that the internet has kind of killed urban legends and folklore to a point because mm. you just you, if you were sat as a group as a teenager someone would just get the phone out and go oh no i looked it up and no, there wasn't a murder on that street that year. <laughs> yeah. and it's such a shame. Yeah, lies. To, to, to miss. Yeah. I mean, I don't know any teenagers and, and it has been a very long time since I was a teenager. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what they're doing now. But I, I, the spirit that me and my friends would tell each other those kinds of stories was definitely not in a, a I heard this thing um, it, it was like a deliberate thing. How much can we scare each other? Let's, you know, let, let's tell each other the most frightening thing we can to get that sort of thrill, that, you know, that safe thrill. So um, I I would like to think that still happens. I, yeah. Mm. 
at sleepovers and stuff. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think um, at school we certainly, and we're we're from the same generation. All, all three of us are probably from the same generation. And I think at school pre-internet, um, there were lots and lots of ghost stories designed to put the fear of God into each of us. But I also think. Um, as well as it being sort of a generational thing, I think it's also a cultural thing as well. Because, for instance, my mum is from Guyana in South America, um, which, if you don't know, borders um, Venezuela and Brazil. And they have so much folklore and stories. And if you talk to anyone who's Haitian or my dad is from Ghana in Africa, again, so much folklore. And you know, folklore, reality, these things are believed to this day. There are entities that are still referred to, um, which are still as frightening now as they were then. And I think um, they're not just designed to frighten, but I, I, I think culturally people behave in certain ways because of these historical stories, whether they're myths or not. There's, there's often usually an element of truth in every story and it just gets embellished along the way. Mm. Um, but I think culture has a lot to do with folklore. Have you seen the film Midsommar? Oh, Did yeah. you watch that? Yeah. So that's, you know, mm -hmm. kind of a similar thing, but, but that actual way of being is reality for that region you know, yeah. sent aside and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm i really interested in it. And I, I, I think, sadly, in the UK and possibly America, these things, like you said at the beginning, Chris, kind of don't exist as much anymore because kids will just go on their phone and go, that is not true. Shut up. Let's move on. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but in these other, ind you know, in indigenous countries and, and in the West Indies and South America, these things are still believed and very much true. Mm. Particularly kind of... The UK, we're quite lucky to have such a rich history of kind of folklore, and there are, you know, people who still kind of encourage the sharing of that. But I think it's just it's a shame that it isn't shared. I suppose maybe I'm just sounding like an old man. It isn't shared in the same way it was when Ali was younger, which was the, almost the campfire. Thing. The word of man. Yeah, and, and I don't know what is the, the 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 modern version of the campfire. Is it is it is it Twitter? Is it fake news? I don't know. Yeah. But I think I've always I've always been really fascinated by folklore and urban legends and and how it, it changes that you know from one place to the, it can go from town to town. The story has changed ever so slightly because of the social setting or the social yeah. setup, you know. And that's and again that's one of the reasons I love this film so much is because you've got that you know the main protagonist is interested in urban legends, is interested in finding out where they come from mm -hmm. how they fit into society and what's kind of you know the 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 birth and it goes into the wider kind of issue of, of if you're not telling these stories anymore in the same way if you're not talking about Candyman, will will he dies you know will these stories just die yes. out and then they'll just, just disappear and yeah and i think that's what the original book was much the original rather the original short story was much more about almost this godlike figure who, unless people were t discussing him, he would just basically fade and away. believing in him, you know, yeah, yeah. Ban banish your cynicism. This, this yeah. is, you know, this is real. Yeah. It's again, it's such an interesting concept of, you know, because you look at different cultures from around the world who who have had, you know, it's not just one, you know, god. They've had several gods, and mm. how they've is that is it is it a similar thing and. 
it's just a, such a fascinating kind of rich subject to choose a horror film on. And I know there've been kind of what was the, there was a film a few years after it was it late nineties, the Urban Legends film, which was much yeah. more yeah, like the and, opening and that's of. What, that's what I was wondering when I, I did, you know, had a brief recap of the film last night, and I was sort of thinking, you know, that that late nineties, early noughties, um ironic horror sort of genre, or you know, the the uh, self aware, yeah. you know, postmodern referential sort of the screams and the urban legends mm-hmm. and things like that like was this the sort of first film that played with the idea of urban legends you know obviously bernard rose's background is is almost like in art house independent cinema and he bumped into clive barker on the set you know in in a a studio and they started discussing so he went away read his sort of stuff so to take this original short story which was Set in Liverpool, Clive Barker comes from a working class background. His, you know, his father worked at the docks. You know, so the, the the story itself was very much about class for him to, but it's still again at, at its essence about folklore and urban legends. I think it was quite clever of of Bernard Rose to then set it into the US. So it's not, it's still about class. I suppose for the UK the class system has has a, had a massive impact on society but in the US race has had a similar impact on society and shaped it and so I thought I always thought it was quite a clever way of transitioning to, to somewhere else but keeping those kind of folklores but you're right I think that it was urban and there was well, what I think there was three urban legend films mm. <laughs> during the late 90s and they, yeah, they say that very no and obviously Scream kind of kick-started that all yeah with the like you say that it's very i suppose like very meta and knowing kind of uh, approach on kind of slasher films and that itself really i think still sort of stands up and is really interesting it's not as rich as something like Candyman, which deals with lots of issues and and that they um the intro uh the, the clip of the the teenagers you know that it is sort of knowing in its own way isn't it because it's sort of yeah. it's sort of you know, it gives you something really cliched and, you know, mm-hmm. lets you think that maybe this is going to be a slasher type cliched film. And then, but it actually sort of contrasts, uses that as a contrast to show mm-hmm. that actually you're watching something, you know, that's a cut above that sort of thing. So there is a knowingness there. And I think that, that having her as a, a post-grad, you know, researcher, she is sort of playing detective but without being kind of a detective do you, do you think helen is a, a well-rounded interesting female character who has agency and or do you feel that she you know falls short occasionally or do you just think she is just the she she doesn't do the whole kind of screaming and as much as some female characters do in slasher films but there's an attempt to make her a bit more interesting does is it successful i mean it's um, relative isn't it mm. <laughs> I think she does well because she it's quite obvious from the beginning that she um, she has an agenda which she has set. She's willing to achieve her goals either on her own or with the aid of Bernadette, her friend, mm-hmm. um, preferably with Bernadette. And she isn't she she seems quite autonomous. I think, you know, like she has a whiff of there some, being something going on with her husband and that this um fresh piece at uni 
and um, <laughs> she kind of you know you see her acknowledge that but not let that really get in the mm-hmm. way of things um but she's she's quite ballsy i mean like i say she goes to um to this place cabrini green she sees how dangerous it is but she has an agenda and no matter how scary and frightening it seems on the face of it, she's going to find out what she needs to find out. She's going to do that research. And I think that's admirable because given when the film was made and given the progress, you know, to some extent women have made in society and film, I think it was good that she she was a strong but not overly strong woman because sadly... Um, when you're trying to make headway, you're often told if you're a woman, well, what I'm trying to say is if, if you're assertive as a woman, then you're called a bitch or you're being too bolshy and you need to tone it down. So in order to, to actually achieve what you're setting out to, you sort of have to play your way through in a way that's more acceptable. And I think the way that she's depicted in that character, in that role, is a more acceptable way of being a bolshy woman for that time. She she she's not, you know, screaming like a girl and she's also not just dressing like a lesbian, you know, in inverted commas and <laughs> do you know what I mean what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So she she's achieving what what the what the aim is <laughs> but mm-hmm. satisfying everybody. Um so I do like her character. I'm I'm not saying she's perfect, but I think she's she's quite good. Um mm. and she's quite forthright. So I I liked mm. her. Yeah, no, I... I so, <laughs> How many offensive things did I say well, there? <laughs> no, not... I mean, you know, I, I could go further, I won't. Um, she she gets her comeuppance, doesn't she? So, you know, she, she yeah. doesn't get away with being uh, independent. And I think yeah. I, might, I might be uh, just, you know, joining the dots myself, but I'm, I'm sure there's a reference to the fact that um, she's previously been one of his uh, Trevor's students who's you know she's ended up marrying her right. her lecturer I may be yeah. I may be adding that myself but that that's mm. that's my um, I, I, I buy that I could totally buy that because he is there is an age gap there yeah oh yeah and the way he does speak to her he, he and also the way he speaks to um Stacy later on he treats her like an infant he infantilizes yeah. her and calls yeah. her like baby and yeah. he's very kind of you yeah, know, and she's you know she's having to cook his dinner and all all those kinds of things. So I think probably within you know within the genre and you know mm-hmm. I was going to say for the time it's only 1992, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she does all right, but I don't think I don't think as a character I would particularly you know uh, yeah I think I think don't think it's that much of a win for feminism really no. I, yeah I, I think you're right i think I, I think her character at the behest of the plot so she, she you know she's given a certain amount of agency but at the end of the day she's still controlled by trevor's choices she's controlled by Candyman's choices because he's mm-hmm. very much it was always you you will do this this is your your fate has been you know kind of cast so I understand that. I think. I think. Yeah. I think it, there, it is. I suppose, like this film, it's you've got to <laughs> you've got to take. You know, you wins. It's like, oh, great, you've yeah. got you know a, a you know a black 
you know, character, but he's a villain. You've got a female character, <laughs> but she's not quite as great as you'd want her to be. There's an there's a reason they attempt to let's let's try and make that interesting. And I know that the director, when he changed the decided to set it obviously in the US and to have Candyman be black, that that there was some issues with the studio, so he had to he had a meeting with the NAACP, which is the National Association of of the Advancement of yeah. Coloured People. And they basically said, yeah, we would, you know, it'd be great for him to be the lead and the hero, but you know what? It's quite progressive for him to be the villain because if he can be, why can't Freddy Krueger be black? Why can't Hannibal yeah. Lecter be black? Mm-hmm. And so they were, again, it was like, at least there's something we can grasp here where, you know, a black actor is given an opportunity. And I think during the 90s, there was a bit of a wave of black filmmaking the the US film industry was actually hiring and again black men mm. it would have been nice to have black women to give him the same opportunity was slowly kind of being given these opportunities but at the beginning of the late 80s early 90s the depictions of black culture was often kind of seen as almost like a negative <laughs> see him as a almost like one of those universal studios horror you know it's like dracula you know wolfman frankenstein yep. <laughs> Candyman. you know it, for me it has that kind of that vibe you know phantom of the opera kind of thing yeah you are kind of clutching at straws in terms of it being kind of progressive which is a shame in the past few years with you know jordan peele you know doing get out who obviously co-wrote the the remake of Candyman which is actually directed by a black woman, we're finally getting there. <laughs> you know, it'd be interesting to see what, obviously, that looks like and how that is, sure. you know, it's not being released yet. It's still, I think, still scheduled for release this year. Yeah. After speaking to the, the students, we jumped to Helen in the lecture theatre where Trevor, who, we, who, who the lecturer who we found out is Trevor, her husband is giving me a lecture on another urban legend which is about alligators in the sewer, <laughs> which is <laughs> another classic. But someone mentioned, and I hadn't actually noticed this, but in a lot of the scenes, there's a huge amount of smoking. And I don't know if that's because it's the 90s and you were allowed to smoke indoors. Mm. But there's also the scene later on where they're sat at, at dinner and the, the smoking. Someone mentioned, is that kind of a subconscious thing? And, and again correct if I'm wrong if this is overreaching but given the smoking tobacco which is obviously picked by slaves is that a kind of a a subconscious thing to do with race with his backstory and where he you would exactly when that when you know his backstory as as being the son of a slave yeah again I I just it was interesting because when I watched it again I thought there is a huge amount of smoking there is is so much smoking I mean and Virginia Madsen makes you know it, it really makes me miss smoking you know if, I, if, you, if you could look a fraction as cool as she does having smoking but but mm. I I so, so I, th- I think there's more than just everybody smoked in 1992 I think there mm. is for me there was something 
deliberate, but I hadn't made that sort of leap. There's a sort of an, a noirish um, yes element to yeah. it, and they they do quite a lot of shots of her where she's smoking, and you've almost got the sort of Raymond Chandlery mm-hmm. like striped light thing. Yeah, and so there's quite a lot of close-ups where where she's spooning or smoking or whatever, where that bit of her face so around her eyes is lit lighter than than the rest yeah, of it like and, a, and the, like the film noir yeah, yeah exactly. and the smoking <clears throat> and yeah i suppose that's probably more well i, I, I thought that, it was interesting it is really interesting so we get on to trevor gives his lecture when she goes down she that trevor's mingling with a bunch of students mm. and obviously she's a couple of young females <laughs> and i hadn't noticed that when she goes down stacy is the only one who shakes her hand yeah, very aggressively. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. And I haven't picked up on that. <laughs> exactly, like very presumptuous. Well, it's like the equivalent, you know, how people always say that when boys are fighting over a girl, they kind of like puff up their chest, and it's like you know, and that's kind of her equivalent. Like, hello, uh, you know, I am Trevor's girl. You may be his wife, but mm-hmm. hello, and it's that kind of sort of because also when she leaves, she's the last to leave the group. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she sort of, you see her give Helen a bit of a snide look as if, you know, who we, uh, up and down. And she sort of, I don't know, she leaves only because she kind of has to, but not because she wants to. And you definitely get that kind of, she feels like she has a right to assert herself. And the only reason she feels that right is because she's clearly having an affair with Trevor. And he's given her reason to believe that she is the one and Helen is going to be old news soon enough, which, you know, mm. turns out to be the case, but... Through the entire film, you know that, that Helen is thinking he's up to something. Yeah. But it's but only when you're obviously at the end. She's cool about it, though, isn't she? And that's what mm. I, I was thinking about when you were sort of asking whether as a character she's got agency. I think maybe not. or Maybe maybe her agency sort of tails off towards the end because, yeah, she she's not jealous and she's not paranoid, even though he's clearly a bit of a lech and, you know, clearly got all these sort of like she thinks it's funny that they're fawning over him rather than worried worried about you know her yeah her position Mm. and then and then she does get all paranoid and weird which is doesn't necessarily ring true for me Mm. it isn't sort of implied that she's she she knows something's going on but like you say she's not kind of she's not too bothered but (laughs) (laughs) Well, we to blame her. <laughs> yeah, I think that, but, but I think there's another way of looking at it because, you know, it depends what you want her to be. Like we were saying at the beginning, you know, does she have agency? Is she? Is it progressive? But if she, if she notices that her husband is, you know, flirting, but I suppose she might think it's nothing more than flirting at the beginning. Do we want her to flap as an older woman, or do we want her to think, well? He's a lecturer. There are young girls here of that age. They're going to sort of be sniffing around him. But do I need to flap about it? And when she does flap, that's when she's been already been arrested, found with blood and everything around her. So of course she's <laughs> going to be flapping at that stage. Yeah, I don't think fair that's enough. a character, you know, diminishing and her being seen as weak. I think circumstances had it that she's <laughs> going to be flapping at that stage. Mm. So um, I, I, I don't agree that she, um, in not asserting herself at the university with this young girl is a sign of weakness or a lack of character i think it's just you know do we all flap when somebody else looks at your other half not necessarily 
and she may have been in a similar position. Yeah. <laughs> she well, may have yeah. Been, she was that, you know, that girl. Or, or I may have made <laughs> yeah. that up. She was that girl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's a nice kind of introduction to academia. And, and again, she's undermined by Trevor because she says, you weren't going to do urban legends until I'd done my research. And he's yeah. like, oh, he starts making excuses. Um, again, I, I think that's quite a, an interesting dynamic isn't it that he's clearly the older academic who, who sort of tells her to sort of calm down dear kind of <laughs> approach to it all and then and then you you, you jump to to her doing a, the, the the transcripts isn't she of her of her interviews and then there's the, the cleaner comes in and, and there's obviously mention of candy man and she's all that and then they started getting this kind of conversation around that yeah they tell this pretty horrific tale of someone banging on the walls and someone being kind of murdered you know it's 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 awful and then and obviously when i originally watched this i didn't know cabrini green was a real place i thought no, it, was, it doesn't sound real you know it sounds such a ridiculous name it doesn't look very green apart from that the, there is actually to be fair there is a green in the middle isn't there it passed me by so I, having kind of looked into that there have been you know, in its history, some horrific crimes that have, have that have happened there. So, I, I, again, it's kind of pulling, like urban legends and, and kind of folklore, is kind of pulling, this is a real place, and this is sort of what happened in reality, but we've kind of changed it to fit the story. Its presence is felt through the entire film, and it is such a... You keep it, coming back to it. You feel I mean, that the characters escape. It's very interesting to me that they've located it so specifically and, mm -hmm. you know, lots of films don't even sort of define their general location, let alone narrowing it down to yeah. an estate. And, you know, people lived there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at, at, at that point in time, because I, I know a bit about it, you know, at that point in time, it was rife with crime and, you know, really, really troubled place but they hadn't yet started you know knocking it down which the you know, it's all gone now and so that you know that the it's quite amazing to me actually that they were allowed to sort of let that the notoriety and and the reputation of the estate mm -hmm. play out in a hollywood movie you know whilst that was like that you know that they were allowed to name it and it, yeah. it's mad you can't imagine that happening it's almost now it's quite meta the fact that you've you've made a film where there's a bit of confusion about what Candyman is you know because obviously you find out later there's confusion over the character of Candyman and then this i suppose the the, the gang lead goes by the name of, of Candyman. but like to set it in a to name a real place if i grew up in social housing from the ages of 11 to about 16 17 i lived on a housing estate obviously in the uk very different to what really green was um <laughs> but positively you know lovely yeah. um but if someone had made a film about a horror figure and named it where i lived i'd be what on earth is going on here yeah bizarre thing to do yeah. but obviously it was it was, it was so, such a famous well rather infamous piece of social housing that they felt they, they, they could, that people would go oh yeah could, yeah yeah i could i totally be believe yeah. that this is a, a realistic depiction of yeah of the 
of the, the residents. Uh, to be fair, there isn't a huge amount, is there, of, of the, the residents. I think that's kind of what lets it down, is that you, you only glimpse the lives of... Is it, is it Anne-Marie, isn't it? Yeah. With the little boy. She makes a sort of half-hearted speech about how, you know, middle classes, white people, whatever, make assumptions about people that yeah. live there and, you know, actually that those are sweeping generalizations but yeah it's mm. maybe a line and a half it, yes. film which it's otherwise condemns the estate yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. i've heard people say that oh you know awfully pretentious people say you know actually i think the real villain in this film is cabrini green you know it's not really Candyman. it's it's <laughs> the fact that that these places are allowed to exist and it's sort of I mean, the, the, wow. you, you know i know exactly and it is it is ridiculous i think and i I I definitely think think, like in terms of what you're scared of you know people are scared of housing projects and you Mm, know and um big estates and drugs and crime and and stuff like that so i get i get why and you know to watching it now i'm not scared by Candyman anymore but would I would I go creeping around that semi derelict estate like Helen did? No, I absolutely wouldn't for not for for supernatural fear because and I think you know yeah I I understand what you're saying but I think um, whilst I, I I do love Candyman I think it's great and and for re- you know for reasons that we 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 are yet to come on to but I think something that's quite a golden thread through any sort of depiction of housing estates whether it's projects in America or or over here is that there is that by the press or by the storyteller that intentional almost scaremongering and the way that they deliberately say certain things or use certain words to 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 support their their story or their image of what they're trying to say Mm -hmm. and the reason i say that is for instance like if you think about um, the North Peckham estate with Damilola Taylor and where he was murdered and the fact that similarly to Cabrini Green, it gets demolished after everything horrible happens. They just get rid of it because, you know, oh, we've realised it was so bad and we need to just get rid of it and send everybody else somewhere else. Is that the people that actually live there, if somebody were to take the chance to actually speak to those people and find out from them, is it this horrific place? Mm-hmm. Is it full of monsters? It most likely isn't because there is a community within that that estate, a community that are friendly towards each other. And I'm not suggesting that, no, there isn't any crime. Of course there is. But I don't accept um, at the moment that the, um, the default position of these places are horrific is the, is the whole truth of it. Because there are real people living there who are surviving there the best way they know how. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't fit the narrative of the storyteller who is often trying to say, this is the boogeyman's place. This is the place to be feared. Run if you have to go past this at nighttime. Lock your doors. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like, you know, you just you just imagine everybody there is the candy man because it's just, it's such a scary place. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily the reality of everywhere like yeah. that. And I think you're right. Kind of looking inwards, everyone can sort of judge... And I felt, you know, growing up on a, a housing estate, I felt judged. I didn't invite my friends round. Yeah. And it wasn't nearly, it wasn't even, you know, a, a quarter as bad as this, this, 
depiction in this. Yeah. But I felt that I couldn't invite my middle class friends. And I was, you know, <laughs> quite lucky to live there relatively because it's the north of England and it was in, a, in, you know, in the suburbs. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't in Sheffield. I wasn't in the centre of Manchester or, you know, on the outskirts of Manchester. I was, I was quite lucky. The, the social housing was a little bit better than those other places. But I felt kind of, I suppose, ashamed. But at the end of the day, it was my home. And it was my home for a long time. And and it, and, and yes, I wish there was more of a sense of community. Sadly, there wasn't where I was, which goes, pays <laughs> the fact that all Northerners are uh, <laughs> really friendly. <laughs> it's not the case. And that's why I'm looking forward to the the remake these little gaps that i think it doesn't require a massive amount of work to make it a bit more subtle a bit more interesting um but then again kind of nitpicking you know this is 92 and for you know for the time it was again it's that progressive but not massively so we'll take what we can kind of thing but yeah when it comes to the social housing and i don't know if that's because you've got a, a a brit what did you call it um like poverty tourism is there a bit of that in this that uh, kind of look how awful it is in the states mm. look how awful it is on these housing estates and you know let's let's set it here because it looks kind of grim and yeah i, I mean i definitely think there there is that and i think it's quite interesting that um Helen doesn't voice that view at any point. They they make Bernadette, her her black friend, uh, d- say the things that mm-hmm. you know, um, the the sort of looking down on the residents and the talk, talking about the crime. It's Bernadette who says all that. Helen's just quite gung ho and wants to yes. crack on with it, which I I think you know I don't think that's accidental. And I think there's like later on there's a bit of <clears throat> kind of white savior kind of thing where she says about. When obviously the the other Candyman is arrested and is in the lineup, she's all like, "All these people have been saying that he's this criminal, and no one's believed." And now this white woman has said it, and now he's going to jail. Mm. We hear from the cleaner who then talks about, and that's where you get this link from the Candyman to Cabrini Green, and so obviously Helen invites Bernadette round to her house and then discusses her apartment building is kind of linked to the housing but is because of the split is it is the 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 motorway yeah she's on the right basically she's on the right side of that and therefore her she's like duplex kind of apartments but it's the same setup it's the same kind of layout and obviously then she then demonstrates the the mirror behind the bathroom mirror which is terrifying yeah yeah awful. i was so saying that to Tom, that is freaky as yeah you would like not a hotel want that. you've got joining rooms and i always check the door just yeah <laughs> yeah put a chair behind it like yeah. nobody is coming in yeah <laughs> and again it's obviously an interesting you know kind of conversation about you know falling on the right side of the tracks but then we don't get much time on it we're we're in the mirror, we're, we're, and we're saying Candyman five times. But, but <laughs> Bernadette doesn't say it five times. She says it four times. She chickens out. Yeah. But it's not, as we find out later. She might, you know, it's a shame because <laughs> she still gets it. Spoilers. Um, 
<laughs> and then they decide that they're going to drive to Cabrini Green. Yeah. And it's quite interesting that Bernadette has, I think she has mace and a stun gun in her handbag. Um, and they obviously talk about, is this is this going to be too much? Is this, you know, are we going to, you know, and she mentions, oh, what do you think the men, you know, what do you think about Trevor? And she mentions someone else. Oh, they would definitely check chicken out. And I like the fact that they've got, you know, they, obviously they have something to prove, but they're well aware that within academia, they they are, like Trevor is the sort of cock of the walk, you know, he yeah. gives all this. But if he was there in that car, there's no way they would, he would have gotten out. <laughs> and I, I like that. And I think that's those moments where I think actually she's got you know she's got something about her and again it is because of the plot because you need her to get to there and that kind of stuff but it is it is it kind of makes us look a bit more and the two of them it's nice to see two women kind of supporting each other and going we can do what men can do or we can do better than what what men can do because they will chicken out you know kind of thing i I always think that's really kind of refreshing (laughs) but obviously as they rise all the kind of there's a kind of a, a gaggle of young men kind of heckling and kind of harassing them and obviously they think they're police because who comes who who what respectable people come to cabrini green yeah and i know she does she make she make some reference about kind of like smart casual and, you know you should dress smart casual i'm gonna basically we look like we're police officers <laughs> and obviously they do look like police officers so it's quite quite funny I don't know if that's a comment on, I don't know, the social sciences that on 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 academia that they could very much come across as tourists, you know, taking photos of the graffiti, very much yeah. kind of that, you know, oh look, who here we are with the, uh, you know, the rough side, and you know, let's let, let's kind of, you know, document it as as, as much as we can, um, and obviously you see the the graffiti, which is. Is it sweets to the sweet? Yeah. Obviously, but obviously they've started getting in the kind of references to sort of candy and that kind of thing. Um, and then they go into the apartment that was with the woman was murdered, and it's a, an amazing kind of set, you know, with the well, it looks <laughs> it's awful, you know, it's yeah. like heart walls, it's like well yeah it's awful it's just it's it's almost nightmarish isn't it it's like suddenly they've they've, they've, they've stumbled onto you know there's, there's one thing kind of breeze blocks covered in graffiti and then to go into that kind of space and suddenly it's decimated isn't it and then obviously they go into the bathroom and, and, and push through and you get one of my favorite shots which is you suddenly realise that she's stepping out of the graffiti oh, yeah. of yeah. the man's yeah. mouth. Yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, it's definitely Fantastic. one of the images that, that stayed with me for yes. years and years, definitely. Yeah. It's just fantastic, and, and it's kind of those moments where you feel that this is this is not just your common garden kind of horror film. There is, yeah, you know, it is much more composed and much more, yeah, I don't know, intelligent. I don't know, but. Yeah. Um, when she emerges from his mouth she is she's en- obviously entering to another world she, th- this is kind of Candyman's sort of domain isn't it and is yeah. that a, a deliberate thing and, and, and then obviously because it is the film itself is has this and correct me if I'm wrong there, there is a sort of romantic it's you know the relationship is romanticised it's quite yeah. a like you know, of the, the opera yeah, exactly. So is the mm. is that does that tie in? I don't know. 
What do you think? I'm just talking nonsense. There's definitely an attempt to sort of show some deep connection between them, isn't there? Mm. Mm. And obviously later on we find out that the sort of is maybe more than just a material connection. It maybe goes further back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So the Candyman, the sort of gang leader, and then you've got obviously Tony Todd as Candyman because she finds a um, some a pile of sweets, doesn't she? she oh yeah, it. with razors in there. <laughs> like great. It's like, why are you touching that? Ugh. I know. Gosh, the pile of colourful sweets on the floor, and it's just full of razors. Sweet, As Lucy yeah. says, quality street. Yeah. With uh, a yeah. razor blade in. I know. I mean, that's a bit rough, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Bit, yeah. The real life Candyman, could he have been fleshed out a little bit more? Is it nice that he is, there is that, obviously you see, you fight, you meet him later. Yeah. That he is, is quite an ambiguous you know, like, oh, it, it, blurring the lines. Is this the is this Tony Todd, mythical, you know, to, uh, Candyman, or is this real Candyman? Do you think that works well, or do you think it should be a bit more explicit? I think it could definitely be a bit more explicit. I'm not sure I've ever really, uh, until now, I don't, and I've watched it many times. I don't think I've really thought about the fact that I, I've never, I've never thought of him as the real Candyman, as in he's the one. Mm doing the murders yeah i I, i've just found it a bit of a plot destruction i always took it that the is he jake the little boy yeah who is talks about Candyman. he to him he is real because it is the bloke that she meets in the toilets so i kind of took it that that so the person doing the graffiti the sweet to my sweet and then lace, you know, putting the, the, the razor blade in the candy is the real, the, the, the human candy man. Right. Um, so there's kind of like, there's, there's, the, 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 there's the mythology of the real life candy man and everything that comes with that. And then there's Tony That makes Todd a lot of sense. Kind <laughs> of, you know, yeah. candy, candy man in capitalised candy man. Yeah. <laughs> only on repeat viewing is that you sort of pick up on the fact that you know the fact that he, he that the he attacks and he has a meat hook, that he has a leather jacket, a long leather jacket, and is again another handsome, tall black man. It's kind of, oh right, so that's and 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 when I remember watching it, thinking it could go either way. It could mm-hmm. be, it could have ended with it was all a dream, and <laughs> it really was the real live Candyman was the, 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 this figure that she'd created in her, you know, brain yeah. and, or, you know, in her, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, there is the kind of, is it, is it real? Is it, what is real? What is folklore? What is not folklore? What's the bit of the urban legend? What isn't the urban legend? I think that's what works. And again, I think it's that, that for me, it's that kind of ambiguity that makes me return to it again and again. I, th- mm-hmm. I pick up on a little bit more. I think actually, have I got that completely wrong or is this is this that she is she's become so obsessed with the mythology of the Candyman she has created this and actually she is responsible for all those murders and all those horrible things Mm. and you know I don't think that's the case but you know you could in theory do the whole 
again, it was all a dream. She finds the, 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 the chocolate, she finds, and then she's startled by the Anne-Marie, the neighbour, with her massive, <laughs> massive aggressive dog. Oh. Again, um, terrifying. Um, which is, yeah, exactly, it was absolutely terrifying. Um, and then, obviously, they go back to her apartment and they talk about the, what they're researching. And, and, um, and obviously, she mentions about, you know, is, is, is the research disparaging of her community because like, she is quite protective she's quite defensive of cabrini green like you mentioned like that she's this is you know people come here and they just tell us how awful it is but no one's prepared to do anything about it you're just another here's two other people who've come here to to, to wallow in you know the the you know the the, the misery of this social housing project and the fact that there's a woman brutally murdered next door that ties into your own kind of research project. So I think it's quite an interesting dynamic and she's quite an interesting character. Is it Vanessa Williams who plays her? And I think she's, again, the acting in this is uniformly really good. So, yeah, so she obviously tells her about the, the, the murders and, 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 you know, she's got this... She seems very vulnerable. She's got her baby, hence yeah. the massive, aggressive dog. Retells the story of her hearing the murder and the fact that yeah. she, she... No matter what she says, you know, because of where she is, who she is, the police aren't really that bothered. And then we cut to a posh restaurant, Bernadette and Trevor and... What's he called? Purcell. Awful, yeah, awful. The, the Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> awful, awful character. Smoking, smoking, smoking. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> They're just smoking, aren't they? They're not eating anything. <laughs> I, yeah. I like how aggressive Helen is. She's, I, you know, I'm going to destroy you with my research or whatever she says, something like that. Or, we'll, no, we'll bury you with our research. I quite like she's, she's, she's not messing about. And, and then, obviously, he gets to be the smarmy... Um, academic with his he mansplains exactly Spot the on. entire part you know and 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 uh, the, the 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 origin story of Candyman, yeah and which is in itself pretty horrific yeah um, and obviously it mentions it's and and that's always kind of stuff it's it's his descriptions are, are so evocative that when i Rewatch it. I think you actually see them. I, I was thinking you, there's like a like a, a flashback, mm-hmm. and you hear the happening. screaming in the background. Yes. You you hear it as if it's it it's yeah. being it's you know he's telling you while it's happening. You're hearing Candyman screaming as his arm mm. is sawn off, and it's just yeah, it's um, it paints that mm. picture for you, and it's a horrifying. He's thing. a very good narrator, isn't he? Over yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like. Well. Poor Candyman, father. You know, and, <laughs> you know, it doesn't sound too genuine when he says "poor Candyman." It's, <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> you know, gosh, but um, from that elevated yeah. position, do you think that that his backstory kind of obviously it's meant to be, you know, sympathetic that he is a very tragic figure who was so basically he's the so, he's a painter who's the son of a slave. Yeah polite society he's then hired to to port you know to, to 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 paint portraits of polite societies like daughters and wives and stuff and then falls in love with this white woman mm. father doesn't like it he's then 
Oh, it has his, his, his hand sawn off with a rusty yeah. blade, smeared in honeycombs, his naked body, and stung yeah. to death, then burned on a pyre. And then, obviously, then has his ashes scattered across Cabrini Green. Obviously, there's the, there's the connection. Is it redemptive enough, the fact that in the original story, so you have the, so in the opening, you have the kind of, um, the urban legend where the student is talking about, she, she mentions how that, that young woman is murdered by a candy man, mm. but she's actually pregnant, mm-hmm. killing the baby as well as her. And obviously later on we see him do horrific things, well, kill most people, and then steal the baby and then put the baby in a pyre. Yeah, and try on fire. to get them all to burn together, yeah. Is that... Is that back that horrific backstory enough to redeem him or do you just think that really he's just awful and is just taking his revenge on anyone and everyone do you think it kind of balances it out a little bit or yeah, I, I think it balances out i think it, in my mind it explains you know if you were to and the way i describe it is you know like i i've done some prison law and um represented people who are trying to get either released to the community or transferred from closed conditions into open and whilst there are always always going to be human beings who are arguably whatever your definition of evil is there are going to be more people who if you look at their backstory you can follow the trail and comprehend maybe not understand but um, form a view as to why they have become what they've become, and I think I think of the Candyman in that way. As in, if the if the story that Professor Purcell tells at the dinner table when he says "poor Candyman" and what happened to him, if that story is true, you can kind of be psychologist and and understand why Candyman wants Helen and he wants the baby and he wants them all to burn together to live happily ever after and be dead but be alive forever together. Do you know what I mean? In that sort of romanticised way. So you either you either accept that or you think he's just an evil dude and he just wants, you know, to rain merry hell on everybody and that's what he's doing. But I prefer the former um, romanticised mm. version. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it does... It certainly makes him much more interesting rather than this sort of discriminate murderer. <laughs> just... Yeah, exactly. And, and, and again, it's it's... You know, he's given this sort of backstory, but he doesn't, you know, he, he murders other black people. He's not just, you know, there to, 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 you know, kind of, you know, kind of wreak his revenge on slave owners and other descendants of or what, what have you. You know, he does kill other kind of, you know. He's a very troubled people, person. He was rejected <laughs> in a very unexpected, <laughs> you know, if you think about it, if he... You know, fair enough. He's had the upbringing that he was child of a sl- uh, uh, of a slave, but then he he manages to be accepted into society, and he would have been a minority there. He would have been looking over his shoulder. He would have been thinking, you know, I'm here, but perhaps he might have been thinking, I need to tread very carefully. He fell in love. It's a natural thing. We we might presume he is the girl he fell in love with, the daughter of the wealth wealthy um, person, loved him back, and they had this child. Um, how was he to know that it was going to end so badly and he was going to get tortured and his arm sawn off and 
honey smothered over him and then bees and the rest of it. Do you know what I mean? It came out of nowhere, you know, completely left field. So no <laughs> wonder the guy has issues. I'm not saying that that means he should go out killing everyone and taking taking willies off kids and stuff. But I'm just <laughs> saying that a lot of bad stuff happened to this guy. And you have to look at his crimes in that context. Um, hmm. He's not, I, I don't think he's just been an evil legend for the sake of it. So, no, I, that's just yeah, I, I, I agree. It makes him much more interesting and nuanced. What, what you were saying, Chris, about, you know, I think there's more opportunity to, to connect the backstory more with his actions. Mm. It's, it's sort of a bit, a bit sketched in, I think, because it, it sort of wants to have its cake and eat it as a film. It still wants you to be terrified of him. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. uh, it, it, whereas, um, yeah, you know, potentially it could make you understand more of his individual actions, maybe. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, some, there's something much more um, contemporary and interesting that I hope someone else does with that slavery backstory. Because um, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it's a bit sketched out. So after the, the, the restaurant and the hearing of the, the backstory... Helen returns to the uh, Cabrini Green on her own. Yeah. She's a brave, brave, brave woman than me. She's got a big Depends girl on her pants own. on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Taking lots of photos. Yeah. Um, and then obviously knocks on to see if, 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 if Anne-Marie's in. She's not in. And then there's just this little kid, Jake, who's just sat there. So and then she's sort of, asked, yeah, he's lovely. He's, and he, what a great actor he is as well. He's just, I know. Um, we were trying to decide whether. Sorry, Chris. We were trying to decide whether he was the kid from Moonwalker. Moonwalker. You know. Um. Sorry. You know the Michael Jackson. The Michael Jackson thing. Thing. He looks a lot <laughs> like the kid that dances in the alleyway. Do you know what I That's, mean? But uh, we're going to have to look that up. Yeah. It, it may have been the right time period, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But yeah, we'll have to look that up. I don't know why. He I did look very up. familiar. That little yeah. kid. Such a well, cute kid. He was in a couple of episodes of Baywatch. Um, ah. An episode of... Is that where you know him from, Jennifer? <laughs> 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 yeah. I've got the box sets. <laughs> um, sadly, he wasn't in oh, was he not? the Michael Jackson film. Oh, Sorry. No. Um, but, you know, anyway. Dang. But he, he was in a John Singleton film, so... You know, he's, he's he continues to act for for quite a while. It looks like so, which is oh, good. good he was, he's genuinely, you know, he's very cute, but also a really good actor for mm. his age. Yeah, I know. So he uh, then they talk about um, Ruthie Jean, who's the, the the woman who was who who was murdered, um, and then mentions about you know that he's scared of Candyman um, and that she's not safe, um, and then mentions about another murder. So they walk across down to, and she it's obviously, you know, mentions the building a bonfire, which in, in America I suppose you don't really have bonfires, do you? You'd have because obviously you don't do, you know, bonfire night. It's not a thing, is it? A pyre. I don't know what you would call it. Anyway, you notice that there's a massive pile of wood to be burnt. Obviously, that that plays in later, uh, and then they go to the public, the, the public toilets. Yeah, and public toilets from a very young age had a fear of public toilets. Same because of stories, not necessarily this graphic and this um, 
horrendous but a fear of public toilets because you often left your parents so you would go to the public toilets you didn't know who was in there mm. and, and 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 you know and as i got older and and kind of felt much more vulnerable well let's cut you know you know men are the worst and we'll take you know we'll be creepy older men men. yeah exactly exactly so so i always felt very vulnerable and 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 so when i watch the scene it all kind of flashes back we talked about this little boy who's shopping with his mother who needed the toilet and we've all been there isn't it you sort of like pulling tugging at her arm and you're kind of like i need oh this is you know you this is boring just choose what you want from the shop and let's go yeah and obviously he then runs across the road goes to these public toilets and then is well has his penis cut off and put in a toilet and i thought there's quite an interesting quote from the kid and i don't know if this is to do with kind of again kind of masculinity and you know kind of this idea that men that masculinity and genitalia are kind of the same thing that w- the kid goes, can't fix that. Yeah, better, better off, off dead. dead. The fact that yeah. he's had his penis cut off. Yeah. Might, that's it. There's yeah. nothing more to life. Yeah. You know. May as well die. And I always say that. Yeah, exactly. And I would be watching. I thought, wow, that's an in- what's such an interesting thing for a child to say. Uh, rather, yeah. for an adult to write for a child to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this totally public toilets, hate them. I'm glad that we have them, <laughs> you know, in, in, as a general rule. They've yeah. always been awful, particularly men's public toilets. Awful, oh, dirty no, places. Oh, no, Chris, they're, they're all <laughs> awful. <laughs> so when yeah. you go in... Some women's toilets. We'll talk about our own. Just absolutely. And I, and, and, yes, and we can um, bring in Jess, maybe, for her fear of public toilets later on. But um, <laughs> but going in, and they, they are the grimmest. And then to have the kind of... She kicks the, each kind of stall open... And on the wall, again, instead of graffiti, it's smeared in shit. Yeah. Sweets to my sweet. Yeah. And then the arrow that's pointed yes, down to the toilet. that was awful. That was absolutely awful. Who yeah. goes to those lengths? Yeah, I <laughs> you know. know like... It's grim. It's like, look here. <laughs> yeah. This is what I want you to see. <laughs> Opens it, and it's obviously full of, of bees. Yeah. Um, but yes, public toilets, <laughs> awful. Let's discuss those. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I think they're horrendous. I, I, I will do my best to avoid public toilets. And I, oh yeah, no, that's just the end of the. You just don't want to touch anything. You certainly don't want to sit on anything. Mm-hmm. There's always lots of hovering to be done, from my perspective, in a public toilet. And just you know, you don't even want to touch the tap. It's just you. You want to sort of get in and get out and just oh yeah. And in fact, as a slight aside, my um, little brother, when he was about four or five, we'd gone to John Lewis and it's before they had a tannoy system. And um, he was still at the age where I didn't, I I would make him go into the girls' loo with me um, or, you know, I'd let him go into his own cubicle, but I'd make him come into the women's toilets. But he was adamant that he could go into the men's toilets himself. So I let him go in and I stood outside and I swore that I stood there waiting for him and time had elapsed and he didn't come out. So I started to ask men, you know, is there a little boy in there until there was nobody in there? Somehow he'd managed to get past me, get out. And he waited by my mum's car because in his mind, he thought, if I wait by the car, they'll come back to the car. 
I've never been so afraid in my life. And I mean, that's Fair. John Lewis pub to public toilet. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's hardly Cabrini Green public toilet. But honestly, I've never been so scared in my life. It's just, but that's just a personal story as an aside. Yeah. <laughs> awful, awful, awful. I think everyone's got one of those, like, lost in a department store story. Oh, yeah. I remember being dragged off by my brother. We we did a similar strategy, go back to the car. Yeah. Because you can't leave without... They're going to leave eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's wait at the car. <laughs> we gifted this... And you can almost smell it, the, the, the um, awful, awful public to men's public toilets. And then this tall man comes in with the long leather jacket and obviously with this meat hook mm. um and the, 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 i think we just one of the other character call him candy man and then they sort of surround her so it's a very tense very you know really sort of threatening scene i think that's one of the things that 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 this film does really well is that it is builds up tension in a in, in almost like maybe not domestic, but kind of in, in very ordinary settings that, that from, you know, you know, for horror films, you, you expect, you know, castles, haunted houses, but it's frightening to go into, you know, a housing estate. It's frightening to go into the it's toilets. It's completely plausible, isn't it? It's, it's yes, pedestrian. Yes, and, and exactly that's what makes it, yes, that makes it so kind of worrying. So she's sort of surrounded and, and then says, we hear... You're looking for the candy man. You found him and then smacks the side of the head. It's, it's just like an awful scene. And then cut to the police lineup as you then start getting the kind of the, the, the men stepping forward, delivering the line in a very yeah. <laughs> uh, a less enthusiastic manner, shall we say. <laughs> Which is always amusing when I see police lineups in, in, in films. It's like, who can deliver this the, mo the, 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 the flattest? And obviously, she, she, you know, she's there with this awful, swollen, closed yeah, eye. like... And, mm. and it's genuine. You, and that's another thing that you, you, you don't really see in films is when people get hit, that that, that is something that happens. That, that, you know, you end up with a, you know, like a bloody nose or a kind of a black eye, but that kind of swollen. Yeah. I've, I'm quite lucky. I I've, I've was punched in the face once. Surprising. That will surprise a lot of people. Only people <laughs> punched in the face once. <laughs> Um, and my entire eye closed and did that whole kind of swollen thing. Oh my god! And so in films, it's kind of I, I just think it's quite interesting that they go to those lengths to actually depict what violence looks like. Yeah, you know. And she was hit with a, the back of a meat hook. Yeah. So I think that's quite obviously that, that that kind of comes in later where she's it's used as a as a way to kind of um, show that, that that time has progressed, but. Um, it just make her look suddenly very vulnerable and, well, yeah, it looks awful. And then obviously we, the, 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 the talk about, she then speaks to the, the police officer about <clears throat> not only this, but the Ruthie Jean and uh, all the other kind of things that had happened. And he's all, he's very much like, oh yeah, he did it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, yeah. oh, well, case closed, you know. <laughs> now we've got him in. It, yeah. Yes, he murdered this woman. He did this, he did that. And and obviously the, 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 there is a bit of a, it's, it, it is aware of the fact that, that having a, a white woman uh, testify against a black man carries that, that kind of weight and it yeah. becomes, and then we come back to 
her apartment and she's cooking a meal for Trevor, who comes in looking incredibly shifty. Who knows what he's been up to? <laughs> um, and calls her an invalid, um, which is interesting. And obviously her eyes then kind of healed and then it's kind of, she's, she's looking kind of much better. And then there's, and again, another great kind of aerial shot of the architecture and of the uh, Spanish steps at the university. So you get this kind of like lots of concrete, you know, just it's really striking. And then with Philip Glass's music coming up again, the, the, when the story feels a bit too kind of small, that we get these mm-hmm. big shots and it kind of uh, you know kind of opens it up the world is like it's beyond Cabrini Green and that the music then comes in and makes it kind of much more kind of dramatic and kind of like I say that's that kind of swelling strings and things like that. So she meets Bernadette on the Spanish Steps and they talk about and then this is where uh, we get a bit of white guilt from. Uh, from Helen when she says, oh, you know, if it wasn't for me, you know, this guy probably would, you know, all, all these people have been kind of saying that this, this, this candy man is, you know, uh, an awful person has done, committed all these crimes, but no one would ever listen to them because they, they were residents of this area. Suddenly this white middle-class woman says that, and now he's been uh, prosecuted for all these multiple things. Then Helen mentions that she's saved her, managed to save the photographs from her camera, obviously, that, that, that oh, yeah. and they head to this empty car park. Again, this mm. kind of use of space, car parks, frightening places. Oh, yeah, especially those for little, women. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> With that kind of sloping... Yeah. You know, you hear stories about women, you know, putting their keys between the kind of making fists with their car keys and things. It's... it's it, I think it plays into that. I don't know if it's intentional, mm. Um but I, 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 I like to think that the, there is something that makes her building up to making her feel vulnerable. And then obviously we get the first appearance yeah. of Tony Todd's Candyman yeah. in his beautiful shoes and his trousers yeah, and his coat, fur-lined coat, yeah, and that voice again. Yeah. is just... He has so much screen presence. I know. And... <laughs> He is, yeah, I'd say almost like I can imagine him playing, yeah, that kind of like in in a Shakespearean play. He just has, you know, he's like six foot five or something. And he's yeah. such, and he, that, 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 that first shot of him where he's stood at a distance and he's got his head back and his kind of coat, so he looks like a V. It's yeah. so, such a, a beautifully composed shot and such yeah, an yeah. interesting way to introduce this character that has had from the opening scene being kind of over everything, hasn't he? He's just been yeah. kind of, you know, you're not far away from, from Candyman. And I think that's what makes it so theatrical is because of, because of that shot and his just, his immense presence, the, the, the way he looks, the way he stands, he holds himself. And that's when you get that hypnotism with Helen and it's like, mm-hmm. she's just entranced by him. And again, you know, arguably, perhaps it's the whole, oh, she's just this weak woman who's just, you know, taken in by this man. But but at the same time, it's, it, it, you know, you've got to look at it in the context of, of the fact that it is a legend. And like you said earlier, Chris, 
is it real? Has she made it up? Is it all manifesting in her brain, you know? Does she have some disease of the mind and it's all just playing out in her own psyche? Or is this actually happening and she's right and trying to convince everyone that she's not mad? You know, it, it just all feeds into that. And I just think it's so enticing. His voice is so like velvety and just rich. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's you incredible. feel, <laughs> you feel like her just like, Yes, Candyman, whatever you say, Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> Pathetic. Well, he, he, he beckons her, doesn't he? He's yeah. like, Helen, Helen, yes. I came for you. Be my victim, it, 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 be yeah. my victim, yeah. Um, so do you so think, because uh, speaking to, you know, I've, Jess has had to sit through this quite a few times, <laughs> and she, 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 she thinks he is quite sexy. He is, a, mm. he is an attractive, tall man yeah and obviously it plays up on that you know that, that with his deep you know his kind of his voice and and the way that he's in those trances sort of seducing her yeah do you, and it's do, very, do, you, yeah. do you agree with that i do and you know that's very similar in a lot of films i mean i i know that with um filmmaking cinema there are I don't know, I, I think I realised a while ago there are almost like equations, like there are certain components of that make up a film if, if it's of a certain genre. And if you think about Labyrinth with David Bowie and Jennifer Connolly, it's a similar concept again. It's, mm -hmm. it's a guy who has a lot of power who at times does entrap her with his his trance, do you know what I mean? And then she comes out of it because she's actually got her brain and she thinks, no, 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 I'm not falling into this. You know, I'm not falling for this nonsense. And then, but then it keeps sort of like dipping in and out. So it's, just, it's the same thing again. Um, only that with the Candyman and, and Helen, I think she's not really able when she's in a trance to come out of it. She kind of, I think she does, she either goes unconscious or, or something, but she doesn't snap herself self out mm. of it. Um, so, but but yeah, but it's it's a similar thing. I, I do think he's very sexy. He's very um, commanding. And um, that is partly what makes him so dangerous with what his intentions mm. are. I don't see it that way. Because, it, it, I mean, it, there are a few kind of tristing couples in 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 the film you know the the um the the horny teenagers and you've got trevor and his young squeeze and even trevor and helen a bit i think you see them you know kissing or, or whatever and that you that there's none of that between Candyman and helen it's quite chaste and um, mm. i so i i think that must be deliberate i think i i mean uh, it could have been a lot it could have played out a lot more if that if that was a really intentional thing but I wonder if that's a yeah perhaps I've just missed that and definitely you know Candyman is like you say he's absolutely enormous and very masculine and you know uh, in contrasting with Trevor her weasley uh no good um short balding husband <laughs> <laughs> So, so maybe there is a sort of sense of you know this this is a real man this this you know he's much he's yeah. much better for you Helen than he's been saddled with. <laughs> oh, I think uh, well I was 
looking into the, the making of the film, I find it quite uncomfortable, but by all accounts, the director hypnotised Virginia Madsen, had yeah. someone hypnotise her. I read that. So when it came to those scenes, she actually is in a trance. Mm. And so he would have a key word that would trigger... That's, that's it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and because because for for two reasons because obviously it can be used, you know, and and I think I think at the end of the day she's an actor and she can act, um, it, and and actually she's a, she's a very good actor. It just seems a bit, yeah, it really kind of wow. it makes me feel a bit uneasy with that. So when I see those scenes and I think, oh gosh, she she's she looks so much like in a trance. She actually is a trance. Yeah. Um, I didn't yeah, know that. I don't know, I don't know how to feel about that, apart from a little bit creeped out by it. But, you know, a man and his art, who are we to question? So, um, <laughs> uh, so obviously, we get the line, be my victim. Yeah. Which is, again, how do we, how, what do we think of that? Is it, is, it, is it kind of that sort of romanticizing it? Is it. Succumb to me. Yes. You know, it's it's kneel to me. It's again, mm. it happens in in so many films and it's not always in a romantic sense. It, if you think even like something like 300 was it Xerxes wanted whatever um Gerard Butler's character was playing, I can't remember his name, but he wanted him to kneel to him. It's mm. that submissive power, isn't it? Yeah. It's that I will give you the world if you just kneel to me. And that's the mm. same. That's what the Candyman wants. He wants her to, to just be like, yes, Candyman. And then they that's can... That's a classic sort of again, off gothic trope, isn't it? That, you know, yeah. that's the sort of... Yes. The, the relationship yeah. between Dracula mm. and his victim. You know, it, it's, it's quite a... Yeah, it is a trope. Are you a Bond fan? I mean, really a Bond fan. If you enjoy dreaming of what 1991 and 1993 Tim Dalton films would have looked like. Or, if you have a degree in Octopussy, but still don't know which Fabergé egg is a fake. Then the Really 007 podcast is for you. Really 007. We bring an insightful, critical and silly take on the James Bond films. We are proudly part of the Pod Dojo Network and are available for free on iTunes and Spotify. We have regular, in-depth reviews of every Bond film. As well as special episodes on different aspects of the series. And some of us are a bit down on the Craig era. Robert. While others are happy to pretend to dislike things, just to get cheap laughs. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And join in on the James Bond conversation online. Really, Dominic? Is it kind of have your cake and eat it? Where you're able to kind of go, oh well, this is what the classic kind of gothic fiction would would, would depict, but then it is 1992 and you've got you know a female lead again. It's that giving and taking. It's like he it seems to sort of give her that agency and then take it yeah. away because he has the power over her in in, in every sense, basically from the entire film. From from this moment on, and even before that, I think there's a few moments where she has kind of flashes, where it feels like they're sort of starting to connect, when she's taking photos in a, a sort of the crime scene. But what an entrance! I think it's fantastic. I think Tony Todd is definitely up there with uh, you know kind of the the great like I mentioned before those kind of movie monsters. He is brilliant 
and then so we get this kind of the least romantic setting a, a, a concrete car park yeah where we have this romantic discussion you know you've always you know kind of this, this sort of dialogue i came helen i came for you to then this kind of crushing cut to her waking up on the floor with someone screaming in the background. Oh, gosh, yeah. And then he sort of, she realises, sort of comes around and then take, and then her she sort of is covered with her coat and she lowers that and she's covered in blood. Oh, and dear. how nightmarish is the scene is. With the dog's head. Yes, and then so it's like this horribly aggressive, massive dog has had its head cut off and and everyone's like and she's like slipping around in the blood and it is and you can hear her you know and Amory is is just apoplectic in her yeah fear and anger and all these kind of emotions she's yeah. screaming she, it's just it is I, I can only describe it as nightmarish and it is a scene that I'm always like never prepared for yeah because yeah. It, it, for me it's that nightmarish idea that you are capable of doing something while not being aware of it yes and oh my gosh that yeah. really ties into like, that frightens me an awful lot yeah yeah, yeah. i um, think it's horrendous it, it really is horrendous because as you say it's it's like one of those things you know like i don't know it's the kind of thing where you think if, if somebody slipped something into your drink and then you became one of those people that was at the police mm-hmm. station and you've got somebody else's blood in your ass to explain how it happened and you're like well what the fuck i mean yeah clearly how did we get here exactly and am i capable of this exactly I wasn't aware of it. exactly and and no one believing you you know yes that that, that is a that's yeah a, a recurring yeah. am i going fear? mad <laughs> did i do it am i evil yes. maybe all the above yeah Crum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like uh, yeah. um yeah awful awful, awful. Night, yeah, just <laughs> terrible, terrible scene. And then, and then, I suppose it's sort she, of like she down. manages, She's... she manages <laughs> to pick up the cleaver and yeah. climb on top of Anne Marie yeah. and give her a bit of a cut. Yeah, wasn't yes. a smart choice, was it? Yeah. A little no. bit of a slash that... in the old shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> ties into every crime scene you watch in film and TV. It's like don't touch <laughs> anything, <laughs> don't pick up. The, the, the murder you know yeah don't, don't climb on her yeah don't leave your fingerprints everywhere yeah so it becomes a bit kind of and i think that's where it does sort of fall into the sort of horror tropes of yeah and she's like waving at us like calm down she's waving <laughs> the cleaver at her. it's like that's not gonna calm me down exactly you are I not helping help. my baby <laughs> yeah. and watching it i thought oh gosh they've gone there yeah. I honestly thought I thought they've gone there and 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 so not only is the, the dog dead the baby is dead. And oh, I found yeah. that really unsettling I thought. Yeah. Obviously we later find out it's it's not it's not the case. Aww. But it's awful and then look on on this rare occasion the police decide to turn up <laughs> to completely yeah. green after the calls of a of a woman screaming uh, and she's arrested in classic you know, holding up the, the the cleaver, almost about to bring it down as he bursts through the door with their shotguns and and and, and the like, and then she's whisked off. But to sort of <laughs> to, to to bookend that scene, you get her 
it's almost more traumatic that she stood there looking really vulnerable, covered in blood, and you've got this cold police station room. Yeah. You've got this woman who who, who just basically kind of instructs her to remove various yeah. items, and she's shivering, and she's Lift up the left traumatized. Yeah, exactly. Lift up the right and it, that, that, that. <clears throat> you can't help. You're like, why don't you right. lift up your breast then? For <laughs> you know, back up. Every time, every time yeah, I watch exactly. that, I have to steal and myself a bit when she asks her to lift her left and right breast. <laughs> I just, I just I really compare that. It's awful, and I, and, and again, I, I don't, again, is it a, a conscious? Because for, for 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 me, I thought, is this commentary on the treatment of? female victims in crime is this to do with you know the way that 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 rape victims are treated in a kind of very cold manner of you know take this off you remove this and and and, and maybe it is i don't know but for me i always think of that i always think that she's obviously we know well i don't know do we know she didn't do it again that's something to be discussed but the fact that she's there, clearly traumatised, covered in blood, very vulnerable, having to remove the clothes and have to go through this very kind of clinical, awful procedure is such a shocking Yeah, yeah it's totally dehumanising, isn't it? Yeah. The yeah. treatment. Yeah, it's, it's one of those scenes that always that, that stuck with me as being almost more horrific than the horror itself, yeah. you know. Um, but then, obviously, she's then... You know, it doesn't require Columbo to piece this together. <laughs> you know, she's then uh, arrested and pro- you know, and for for for, the, for those the crimes of well, the, I think, is it mentioned that she obviously she murdered the dog, but they don't because the baby's not there. That's why I assume that's why she's she's allowed on bail. And obviously, she then makes her one phone call. And yeah, to Trevor, stupid and Trevor. Trevor. Trevor's asleep, apparently. Slept through the phone call <laughs> at 3am. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, yeah. what a chance, yeah. though. He's so annoying. With Stacey, I, I can only assume. Um, oh. But yeah, it just again, it, it makes him just... You just think, oh, gosh, I, I hate this guy. Yeah, can um, somebody please kill Trevor? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly, I'm like, <laughs> come on. You must get him eventually. Yeah. Um, and then you get that kind of like flash cut to, to, to Candyman with the baby. Yeah, and again, it's it's like, all oh, right. There's a sense of relief, like, oh, the dead baby's not dead. But then it's like, the Candyman is looking after this baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, I know. And then there's that them. bit when um the baby's in the sink, and then the candy. You oh. see the Candyman's claw, but then you see his little finger, like you know, just putting it in the baby's mouth. It's like, oh, yeah, a little bit. But of then you have to remind yourself it is the Candyman. You know, he's yeah. he's pretty evil. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was Your baby's not safe uh, with him. He no, was misunderstood, yeah, Jennifer. That's. A... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not inviting Candyman to babysitting anyone. Um, and then we get, and then Trevor decides, oh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll turn up to the police station. You've been arrested for murder. I'll turn up. I'll help you out. Here's my jacket. Throw it over your head. And then she's obviously she's hounded out of the the, the police station by the the, the kind of the, the, the press. And then there's a there's a. And then we cut to her going through the photos that obviously Bernadette had, had, had saved for her, and with her slide projector projecting and on the wall, and old a lot school of smoking as well. Yeah, so she's, yeah, she's, she's really yeah. smoking in that scene. It adds to it <clears throat> like a chimney. 
and then obviously we see this the, the, and again brilliant for for a horror film this photo she's taken not 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 quite a selfie but she's taken her a photograph of herself in the mirror so you see yeah. the flash oh yes and then there's the figure and that then she's sort very, of zoomed very in very scary that's it and he stood scary. behind us yeah <laughs> very My good word. very yeah, good this that. is this is firing on all cylinders here just in that kind of <laughs> creepy you know that kind of because you are dealing with are we slipping in in and out of reality yeah that that was you know that you you can take a physical photo of something and then there was something that yeah was stood behind you but you didn't notice it that's yeah oh gosh terrifying that's a trigger um, isn't it definitely <laughs> indeed yeah um, and then she's just like knocking about her apartment, and we kind of oh, what's what's happening here? She decides to sort of go <laughs> to the bathroom and uh, goes to the bathroom mirror, and oh, hello, here's Candyman's hook going through, attacking her. So I, I wasn't wait, hang on a minute, what's this? Because it's quite a like he's been to be fair. He's been quite subtle in his appearances, you know, kind yeah. of appearing when the lights had been turned off, and then suddenly his hands, his hook yeah. is firing through this, this, uh, you know, the, and, the, the and that's bathroom a proper mirror. Sort of a proper jump, and there's not, there's not that many yes. of those. But I like no. that. That is sort of what I want from yeah. from a horror film. You know, I want to kind of, yeah, be yeah, and jump then, out of my seat once or twice. And yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. it's a proper, the, it's a great jump scare, and yeah. and then for it to be quite for her to to go from that kind of eerie scene of the photograph to her kind of like pottering about, and you think that oh well you know things are settling for a moment. You got a moment, and then suddenly it's like literally leaping out at her. Yeah, and then he's all like, "But believe in me, be my victim. Do you believe in me? Come and come with me and be immortal." Yeah. Yeah. Which again, it's like on one hand, it's it's no, you're yeah. an absolute no <laughs> But this is quite. If if it wasn't for leaping out at me through your uh, bathroom mirror, this is quite seductive, you know. Yeah, your exactly. Charming. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. He needs to work on that technique a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then oh. his game isn't too good, really, is it? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> and then poor Bernadette arrives. Oh, gosh. Um, knocking on the door while Helen struggles and, and they have a little moment, don't they? And then and then Candyman kind of cuts the back of pierces the back of her neck while they're having a little moment and she starts to bleed. Oh, it's awful. And she that. Can't it's heartbreaking. Shout out. Yeah, and, and it's that it's that, that that impotence that that kind of like her trying to want to to to, to tell Bernadette, please go, yes. don't you know, like any of... really good nightmare where you're screaming yeah. in the dream but you're not making a sound, and yeah, love those. Yeah, it's just it's again it's, it's it does what it does, it does really well, and in that kind of psychological horror or those those moments because there aren't many kind of. You know, she does when 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 she when 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 she runs from there, she grabs the kitchen knife to yeah. protect herself. She isn't this kind of ridiculous kind of screaming woman. She obviously she is screaming because she's upset and she's you know she tries to phone you know the yeah. police and she gets the knife and then so he goes from this arm in the in in the, the bathroom mirror to then actually stood behind her fully formed. You know, there's that his ability to appear anywhere at any time is frightening. Yeah. And what are you going to do with a knife? It's kind of, again, it's that 
and 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 he's because of that trance because of that hypnotic kind of like say that 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 connection they have she can't be reasonable she can't she just she can't you know control him or control the situation because he's always controlling her because he has this psychic connection or whatever you want to call it yeah and that is distressing because you know you want to have agency you want to be able to protect yourself and go i'm going to run and i'm going to phone the police but here he is with his deep soothing timber <laughs> actually i think i might be yeah, yeah really is good <laughs> <laughs> oh chris uh, yeah yeah don't give in and to then, the candyman chris <laughs> <laughs> um and obviously, you know, it's coming. And it's a shame because Bernadette is, is, is a, a nice... She's a, she's, she's a really great character and a nice kind of... For, you know, you know, she's a good companion to, to, yeah. to Helen. She's not like... Again, it would have been nice to have her... To see more of her and to have her in more scenes and for her to be a bit more interesting. She is kind of just kind of tagging along with Helen. But she's such a lovable character that it is quite distressing to, to, to obviously see her that she's then absolutely slaughtered I know. and then oh. so she's killed and then who turns up again trevor arrives with helen covered in blood with a knife in her hand it's like <laughs> pick your moments trevor i know he's um, like the world's most unwanted guest you know his timing <laughs> is appalling and oh yeah such a disappointment that guy Really didn't again, like it. I love I love Trevor's reaction. He just sort of seems to he always seems to think it's inevitable like mm. that yeah. Helen's done this. Like yeah. like yeah, like knows. oh I always thought you were a bit of a Roman wife. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't he doesn't again, seem Helen. shocked, does he? Yeah. Like, yeah. So she's killed her best friend. <laughs> mm. Oh wow. Oh Helen. Better phone the police. <laughs> get Stacy and let's get some uh Yeah. Uh, Colour schemes ready. Um, oh yeah. So yeah. So um, so obviously Bernadette is murdered, slaughtered in the apartment, um, and then you get um, she wakes up handcuffed in her own bed, which is yeah. strange. Um, with the police woman there, and then obviously it's just quite you know just awful because just like here I am again having murdered someone, <laughs> someone or something else covered in blood. Not knowing what happened, another little psychic moment where Helen asks to, to to sort of like come for her or don't kill the baby. There's a little moment where it's there's a, there's another little kind of little psychic connection, and then she's taken to, to the uh, psychiatric kind of hospital. Candyman gets his best appearance as he then appears as she's kind of strapped into bed floating above oh yeah in a really creepy manner yeah trying to like kiss her yeah it's just it's just a bit again it's like that kind of oh creep off he's just yeah (laughs) it's like you're losing me candy man yeah exactly smoother than this exactly don't (laughs) be such a creep like nobody Um, wants you levitating over them when they're strapped to a bed just back off and you know come back maybe when i can consent it's just awful (laughs) absolutely awful 
again, it's, it's creepy. He has a, he, he does have a you know a, a kind of I suppose like a I don't know a bit of a horror trope of kind of floating. It's quite effective in its weirdness because she's obviously she's she's had her, you know, she's had some some sort of drug to sort of sedate her. Mm. She's not quite with it, and then, oh, maybe she hasn't had it yet. Actually, because because he then floats down to the side of the bed, and she's like, "He's under!" And she starts shouting, "He's under the bed! He's under mm. the bed!" Mm. Again, tying into that kind of referencing horror you know creepy dreams what's under the bed <clears throat> you know as a kid you know i think that sort of ties in really well again a great little scene there's a lot of uh during this this sort of like latter half there's a lot of quite dramatic moments um that that you feel like you've peaked that that this is where are we going to go from here she's now been she, you know she's been caught twice by the police murdering someone or something mm. she's now in a psychiatric ho- hospital where, where, where are we going to take this yeah I agree. and then we it's cut sort of, to it's um, quite cacophonous isn't it it's it's it, yeah. the, there's one thing after another that is, yeah yeah all yeah. pretty dramatic and then we go back to his layer his 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 the yeah cabrini green and the baby's cooing and I always assume that he's feeding the baby a little bit of honey okay. on, his little, on his finger. I don't yeah. know. I just, because Candyman bees. Yeah. I just thought that was a I thing. think we're all going to think that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not, he's not going to be able to produce any milk, sadly. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's not a lot he can't do. <laughs> it obviously, he has a master plan for her, doesn't he? He has something yeah. that, that's, that, 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 that he has something for her this be my victim you know and, and then we kind of we, we get to it so she's then gone she, so obviously she's then taken to see dr burke yeah. and she's told she's been there for a month and which is a massive surprise again that is such a nightmarish thing that you're like you wake up one morning it's like oh how long have i been here i've been here for a month i'm like exactly what? losing all concept <laughs> of time yeah. yes yeah yes just yeah really frightening and, and, and the Burke sort is, of the mad hysterical woman idea. Yes. I don't know. He seems like a pretty smart filmmaker to me and that these are intentional. It's not like, oh, I just happened to, to, to yeah. stumble across these yeah. kind of things. So, yeah, so she's been there for a month. <laughs> um, and then he's shown a video of her first arrival where she's like, he's under the bed, under the bed. Obviously, Candyman isn't there. Um, and then... They talk about Candyman, and then she does. I don't know if it, would I do that. Would I turn in the mirror and summon Candyman? Where she just, she she turns and she she says she says Candyman three five yeah. times mm. and summons him. But I suppose she's in a, a place where she's how she what, what, how's she going to get out of that? Yeah, you know, but also Trevor's, you know Trevor's not going to save her. Trevor's not going to save save her. We don't know. I mean, obviously, we, we know that when she's in Dr. Burke's room, she doesn't, she hadn't acknowledged that she'd been there for a month. So we don't know what kind of um, mental state she's in, as in, is she just waking up from sedatives or has she sort of lost her mind a bit? Is she, is she not lucid? Is she lucid? Um, and so she's thinking, I mean, what what do I do? And 
hey, I know how to summon the Candyman. You know, at that point, she's probably thinking, well, I, I know how to prove this, but she's also mm. not thinking, this is outrageous. What if he actually comes? Mm. And But then she does it anyway because she's she's desperate. And then, of course, Dr. Burke, like everybody else, loses his life in the most horrific way. And, and you're just sitting there thinking, please don't say it for the fifth time. Just don't say Candyman five times. And then she does. She is, she's a little bit more shocked than, you know, slightly disingenuously, I think, at that stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> what, what did you think was going to happen to the, <laughs> the creepy little psychiatrist? Like, that... <laughs> Oh my yeah. god! I think I think you're right. I think it's like what 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 well what else can she do? She's yeah. she's run out of options. Let's just test the water. Not not expecting him to arrive and then suddenly, I don't know what somehow I don't know what we would describe it. Gut him from behind or whatever yeah. he does to to him. It's it, it, again. It, it's such a visceral graphic death. Very good sound. Yeah, it is the, that uh, kind of like cooking. like cutting through cartilage just yeah. like, it's like yeah. and his reaction to it and her reaction to it and obviously being strapped to to, to the chair feeling yeah. very kind of vulnerable um and yeah so here he is again cutting and then you know he makes it slash. bad for her again because obviously once he's done that he then cuts her restraints so again she's going to mm-hmm. be framed for yeah. it, her being framed for killing this guy and then you know it's just oh He's yeah, flying out of a window backwards. I know. It's a quite, that was pretty a impressive. Strange. Yeah, I was uh, well impressed. <laughs> very with that satisfying move. to yeah. watch. <laughs> yeah, like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> like because he has because I think it's the first time, he, apart from murdering people, he has a physical impact on yeah. the world. Yeah, and and again, it's that I always I always felt that you could you could maybe at a stretch argue that this is all in her head and she's responsible for it and that she's yeah. doing that. But obviously in this scene, the fact that he shatters out the window and has actually unhooked her, you, you, that's where the that kind of theory falls. Yeah. Flatly, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, but great scene, like out the window and then she obviously sees her escape. Yeah. Climbs out. What, like attacks that nurse who comes to the window or oh, rather yeah, falls that's amazing oh, yeah it's like <laughs> just like knocks her unconscious <laughs> it's such like, an unnecessary death isn't it tins <laughs> <laughs> like, her down and oh and yeah. has gone you know man down yeah this, this she, she doesn't care at like, this yeah. stage steals a uniform <laughs> yeah. and then does the whole kind of tentative like like trying to get out of the hospital which is again it's like really tense it feels <laughs> Believable-ish, you know. I feel, I feel that 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 if you know, if we're if we're buying into Candyman, we can buy into the fact that she can turn her back to the guards and they'll walk past it if she's in a uniform. Yeah, um, sure. And I like those shots of her kind of like she leaves and she's like lost. She's she's sort of stumbling around, mm. you know. And again, in this kind of big kind of cityscape, where's she going to go? But then ends up going back to Trevor. Who's uh, redecorating after a I month? Mean, <laughs> I know, in the most disgusting pink you've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. It's the worst. What is that the worst Grim. aesthetic choice. Just. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It was no. so like depressing. a womb. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's something there. 
She's very young, isn't she? She's, yeah. She's very young. He calls her a baby. He, yeah. Or he says baby. He's very and she much... behaves like one when Helen's there. She yeah. just like cries. Like, Nyeh. Yeah. She's very, yeah, I never quite, She's yeah, she's very kind of, um, very scared of Helen. Yeah. But I love the fact that Helen says, I hate the colour scheme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the fact that even though she's on the run for for for, for these murders <laughs> and it's potentially psychotic, she went, "I hate this school of skin. Yeah, <laughs> like, I've got the time for this. Yeah, I'm bidding you, Trevor and Stacey. Says <laughs> um, <laughs> hello to Trevor, who's as awful as you would expect. Heads back to Cabrini Green again. It's this kind of like like I was saying, this estate is kind of intrinsic to the plot as well as her. It's almost calling her as much as Candyman is, that that she's kind of wanted to. She's always returning there, like she yeah. and and I don't not necessarily in a kind of you know uh, a, a, a mystical way, but she wants she she feels that this is the if I if I go back there, I'll I'll be able to figure this out. Mm. I'll be able to understand urban legend, the folklore, I'll be able to understand the graffiti and all those kind of things. And I think yeah. that's what's, again, it's, it's, it makes it so interesting. So she goes back to the, the derelict apartment through the mouth and it's suddenly lit the with candles. It's, yeah. very, it's very mood lighting. Yeah. You knew she was going. Goodness me. <laughs> yeah. Very in time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's got she's she's and then she grabs the meat hook as she travels kind of yeah. further in and it, it, it does feel like belly of the beast kind of you know you you go from this apartment that's supposed yeah, to be it's... attached but then suddenly we're going down and round and it becomes much bigger you can't really picture the floor plan at that point yeah, can no. you? Like, yeah there is, it, it's definitely uh going beyond the realms of reality i think yes. at that yeah. point yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, and i that that is the point in the film where I kind of struggle a little bit, and I have to. You got to suspend a bit more disbelief, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And he's well, he's having a nap. He's just there on a slab of concrete, <laughs> breathing heavily. <laughs> you know, and, and and again, hard day's work killing all those people. Well, yeah, <laughs> it took a lot out of him with that. that yeah. Work. Um, <laughs> Do I, do I do I want to see him asleep and vulnerable? Yeah. Do I want to see that the fact that he is a being that sleeps? Do I want to see that? I don't think I do. I, no, I, I didn't. Like but that. it is very much like Dracula hanging upside down. True. It? It's kind of yeah. Coming. Well, yes. The... Yeah, I suppose because he was in his own habitat there, wasn't he? He was yes. in his his world and chilling out. Yeah, just chilling like a villain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Catching some Z's while you know he recuperates. Yeah, but even though she knows that, that I suppose that, that, that over over the pat over the this third act, that it feels like that we're building up to a pact that, that mm. for the child she will sort of sacrifice herself. Mm-hmm. She still takes that hook and stabs him in the chest. She's yeah. thinking, I can I can get out of this somehow. Yeah, um, and then we get the again. I don't know if it is is kind of. Um, infantilizing her the, the, the fact that he holds her like a baby and then he sort of does the whole the be as the as he opens his chest up and then obviously mm. you see the bees and he opens his mouth and the bees fall out onto her which must have been horrific and i know that tony todd had 
in his contract if he was for, for every bee sting he got paid a thousand dollars yeah i read wow. that too i mean yeah good on him so for i think it's 23 that he got which yeah is oh you got twenty three thousand dollars on top Gosh. but but to have it in your mouth yeah it's just and i know i was saying that that, that they'd the bees were kind of newly i don't know do they hatch i don't know but newly birth at birth yeah no that's not right do you milk grown them? yeah 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 exactly. <laughs> whatever however a bee comes to be no that sounds <laughs> awful <laughs> anyway <laughs> so they were all ba- let's, let me just they were all baby bees should we say, should we say? <laughs> All these babies, so they couldn't, so they didn't have stingers. So yeah. obviously, they were, it was limited. But the idea that you had to have horrendous. someone pour bees into absolutely your mouth horrendous. Is, again, I mean, so it's impressive, it's so impressive. Yeah, it's kind of hard to watch. But like, my word, just yeah, gosh. Yeah, it is hard to watch. It's because because it is clearly a, it's done for real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to see, oh gosh, it's awful. And then she's covered in bees, and yeah. apparently she uh, apparently Virginia Madison was allergic to bees, so they really? had to be even more wow. They were even more worried about her. And then she wakes up, and there's no bees. She's like swatting bees off, but the, there's none there. Yeah. Like, again, is it, it was it was it a dream? Yeah. So she gets up, starts like wandering around, and then on the wall you get the to to to, to the Philip Glass amazing kind of operatic score scrawled on the wall it was always you helen yeah yeah which makes you think so is helen a descendant or the painter's daughter that's what i think is that when he says it's oh because he kept saying it's always you it's always like it's 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 inevitable like they're somehow connected by fate yeah so does that mean that and obviously, we see as later on, she's kind of looks at the, the, again another painting. Yeah, and it kind of looks like her. Yeah. Do you, it, it, do you it's think her it's eyes, isn't it? Her, or do you just think it's she's a representation of this woman that he loved? But then, I don't why know. Would he, why would I he don't... want to put her through that? <laughs> well, because I suppose he's he wasn't dead through choice. I mean, I, I presume he, when he got, when that story is being told, the legend is being told by Professor Purcell at the dinner. Mm-hmm. Do we know that he died when he got his arm sh- um, sawn off, or, or are we just told that he was tortured? He was tortured, and then he was burnt, and, his and he was burnt. Ashes were scattered across. Right, so the we know he green, died. Which is why you get that connection. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that she took an interest in him. And she, you know, he construed that as a love for him that he was trying to replicate what he had before and, you know, taking Anne-Marie's baby, etc. Just building that family block that he had originally. I don't think it's... I, I don't know. I mean, it could be that she's a descendant. I just think I would have thought that more if somehow we knew something more about Helen's past and that, you know, Mm, she had some sort of connection. But I think it's just that she fits the bill. She had an interest in him. Mm -hmm. He's construed that as, as it being like him, her loving him and then add the baby and it's back to where we were before I got my arm taken off type Mm -hmm. thing. 
um, and then let's burn us all on the pyre so we can be immortal together and live happily ever ever after in Hades. I don't know, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. that that's my view of it, but I don't know. Yeah, He's not too picky. So to me, <laughs> yeah. that, bit, that bit doesn't really stand up to much mm. scrutiny, I think. Mm. I think. I think you're right, Jennifer. Like, there's, there's no attempt at backstory, and actually on any other character other than Candyman. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, it, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, my, my emotions start to disengage by that point in the film and, and it's like that that to me just sounds like something something the murderer says, it's always been you, r- rather than, um, yeah, being very believable. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think if you, if, if you overthink it, it, it I mean, I try. I do. I try. You, at that point, it's like if you if it's like if I bought into this so far, I'm gonna I'm gonna see it to the end. Exactly. And I think yeah. I think that there's the, again, it's, it just play into those romantic, you know, we 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 we, we, we you know, kind of true souls, or we're always kind of meant to be together. Whether yeah. the, whether she's a descendant of his original, you know, the the, the, the wife that he was murdered, be, or rather, you know, love that he was murdered for or not there's a sense that they are connected mm. psychically or that he's chosen her or whatever that that, 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 that fate has deemed them to, to to sort of you know kind of yeah see this you're, through. you're sort of invited to believe that without questioning it too much and that's yeah. fine yes. you know that's all right yeah so then here's a baby crying and then goes out and real obviously realizes that there's a baby in the middle of this bonfire. Oh no! Pyre or whatever, and it is, again, it, it, which is a, which is a great way of building up the tension. Yeah. And obviously, it's a reference to him being, you know, he he was burnt on a pyre, and then he, he was scattered on on that area. So, so, she, so t- with her meat hook, decides to go into and rescue this baby. And it, again, it is really dramatic. It is it, it is the music. The, the, the sense of peril, I think it works really well. Yes. Again, yeah. like anything, you, you know, if you pick at it, it will, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it might not hold up. But, and then to cut to the little boy who's like, he's here. And then obviously you realise that he sees, what he sees is Candyman, this figure with the claw. Um, and she, but she's there obviously to save the baby. And then you get the... T- yeah, it, and obviously, this must be a reference to the kind of classic monster movies with the the people leaving the tenements with the torches to to, to burn the monster, kind of you know. Yeah. And I, I, I am I am absolutely swept away at this because there's the peril of the baby. There's Helen. There's like, what's happening here? You know, with 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 Candyman, is he going to sort of appear again? Um, and then also that kind of referencing to to even though what we've seen is kind of dispelling the the urban legend because what what we're seeing is real through her eyes yeah. yeah suddenly we see it through the boy's eyes who is that that's that must be candyman he's got yeah and i love that i love that it is yeah. layered and it is nuanced and it is there's just something yeah it's just it's just a really interesting way of tying it all up so obviously everyone's rushing and she's like 
trying to get through all the, you know passing all the chair like this pile of chairs and mattresses and things and then she gets the uh to the to the baby and the kid is all like shouting i saw the hawk candy man yeah. is there and you're like oh yeah. no it's like yeah, i know oh. You know, we've we've been with Helen through all this. This can't be the end. I know. Um, somebody threw her a bone for goodness' sake. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then Candyman appears, and he's not. I, and and it, I, I don't know if this is unsatisfying, but I thought it would have been a bit more. Um, I don't know because the fact that he restrains her, that it's like that you are finally here, yeah. even though he has supernatural powers. It's it's. He could have killed her at any time. That mm-hmm. that it's a little bit disappointing because I thought I think I think I, was, I don't know. I thought Candyman was a bit classier than that to to put his hand over her mouth while she's shouting and yeah. she's shouting like you lied to me, and it becomes quite again. It becomes this. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's, is 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 it, is it not very satisfying? Is it not? Do you very think it's symbolic? I mean, I I just took it. I I do know what you mean. Definitely, I I know what you mean because, like you said, you know why why do it in that kind of abrupt way at the end when he's had so mm. much other opportunity? But I suppose the pyre is symbolic for them all to die there yeah. because that's that's where his he was ultimately burned, and perhaps you know like with lots of these type type of stories the baddie has an agenda and it has to be done in a certain way and that was a certain way it had to be done for him mm. um but yes i i do know what you mean it, it is a bit kind of it's a bit rough at the end in a way that it, it yeah it probably didn't need to be or shouldn't have been but yeah i, I don't know i yeah i i agree i think it it doesn't doesn't really satisfy you which is probably why you then need the what feels like seven or eight other mini endings after it yeah it doesn't give you that payoff does it <laughs> yeah i think the it serves the purpose of redemption as in that that she saves the baby and is able to deliver the baby back to Anne marie having murdered True. her dog <laughs> decapitated her dog so there is a, <laughs> there, there is there is a bit of that but yeah it, it just it does seem a, a mess an was, unelegant was, ending. Did um, either of you think of a like Joan of Arc thing? I think it was like her sort of fake yes. bald head yeah. thing, and obviously like you know a woman yeah, yeah, being yeah, yeah. being yeah. burned as a, a mentalist. That yeah, that mm. I was wondering if that there was that was an intentional. Yeah, there's the kind of like it kind of comes together as in how, what what do we do with Candyman? we need to sort out this, the baby, we need to sort out Helen, and it kind of diverges, it comes together, and so we're able to give Candyman a, a a death befitting of him, which is almost like Phantom of the Opera. Mm. Helen's able to redeem herself by escaping the, with the baby, but ultimately dying. But yeah. then, she then transcends that as becoming a, like you say, like a... Um, a um, What's the word? I have to edit this out. What's the word? You know, a um, like Joan of Arc is. What's the word? Martyr. A, a martyr. That's the yeah. word I was looking for. <laughs> I'm going to delete that and I'll be like, martyr. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
uh, yeah so i i i, I think it's i think i think the music i think the drama i think the drama of it sells it i think i think i think seeing that the, the the young boy sees the corpse of yeah Candyman. so for him it is a re- it is real it is yeah. not it's not yeah. folklore it's not urban legend yeah i see another corpse in there for her to redeem herself for for the baby to be saved it is actually yeah i think it's Actually, it's probably more satisfying. Than I think it's 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 a it's a messy. Mm. I say it, it's not an elegant ending to an elegant character. Yeah, for sure. But it yeah. is satisfying, as in it does tie things together quite nicely. Yeah. And then we get the, I suppose we compare you you would compare it to the 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 scare of like um, Carrie, you know, yeah. back kind of ending again. Do I need that? I don't know. No, yeah, but... I think I, I quite like the fact that, in a way, even though you know you always want the goody to win and the baddie to lose, I thought it was, in a way, it, it was more realistic and lent itself to the story that Helen did have to die. She could deliver the baby back, but you saw how how damaged she was burned. You know, it's one of the worst kind of like yeah. burned prob- living people really you see, isn't it? Like she's yeah. melted, her scalp is, yeah. is off. Yeah. And that's pretty graphic for for most sort of even normally if you see something like that it's kind of just like a few seconds and then off. But this is like a long drawn out thing, and she delivers the baby and then she dies and it's like it lives true to his story because she was never going to survive him. She was never going to survive his story, and she managed to to save the baby so that his plan wasn't completely made out but she was not going to survive it. And I think in a way that's a good thing because rather than it just be like, oh, you know, lots of bunnies come out at the end and everything's fine, the villain is dead. It was kind of realistic. Do you know, it was horrifying mm. and it was it was true to his intentions. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think when you look at the story logically, how can it possibly end? Is it satisfying to see them together as a couple, like in the afterlife or whatever? Yeah. That, that he's craving this... It's always mm. been you. you. You, I will make you immortal. That it actually it probably isn't. I think that the, the the sort of downbeat, but not downbeat ending, kind of works mm. better. But then, obviously, so horrific. She's on fire. They put her out, and then obviously the the corpse of Candyman is seen by the the, the young boy, and then you see this kind of scattering of bees that are on fire it sort of lights the sky that she yeah. that helen sees and then you cut to helen in her um <laughs> being buried with her she you know obviously scalp is 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 burnt she's got flowers on her head trevor's there with stacy that's kind I of mean, a, it's nice I know. To show up um what a chump, honestly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so they obviously have a, a very not very moving um uh funeral yeah but then you see in the distance the the the, the residents of cabrini yeah, Greek. I, yeah. I need some I help with that, this like i find what? that moving but i but on reflection are they there because she is like saved the child or the are they there to make sure she's buried yeah exactly so i i 
when I first see that every time I watch it because I have a terrible memory every time I watch it I get I get this like prickle of tears of being moved when I see all the mm-hmm. Cabrini Green residents because yeah. like my favorite thing in the world is to cry inconsequentially at a film so I'm like oh that's great and then then I, re- I remember I'm like oh actually it, it's very ambiguous why they're there are they there to sort of show respect to Helen to thank her or are they there to sort of condemn her you know and um uh so that that for me is it's unsatisfying because I'm not allowed my sort of unalloyed cry because I don't know why um but yeah what what do you two think like what why are they there why have they come I always felt that when, when, like you say when you see that shot of them walking towards and and, and Trevor's kind of like and annoyed or disturbed by the fact that there's all these mm. people I find that kind of quite moving that that these people have come to pay their respects to this woman who saved this child who was misunderstood or they because they 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 know Candyman they know that 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 what Candyman is and what, rep- what, what they're much more aware of the, the folklore and the urban legend of that mm. So I feel that, that they've kind of laid her to rest, but the way the, the kid throws in yeah. Candyman's claw is like, whatever. <laughs> it kind of makes me think, actually, maybe they're there just to make sure she's dead and buried. Yeah. I, I, I've always found that quite conflicting. Yeah. I like to think that they're there because she saved the baby. Because she is, Anne-Marie is holding the baby, and but the way that the boy throws it in makes me think, I don't know. What do you think, Jennifer? Yeah, I um, I wasn't sure either. Similar, similarly to Lucy, when um, you see them walking in and you think, oh, they've come to pay their respects because, you know, she believed in the story, the legend, nobody else believed them, and she saved the baby. But then the hook's chucked in and... I don't know, it just seems a bit... I don't know. I'm not... I'm still unsure about that. I'm still unsure... Yeah. I, I I go every time I, I get to that point. It's it's the point where he throws the candy mat. He just does it so dismissively. Yeah, I'm like, maybe he isn't actually there to to yeah. her. <laughs> this is, but yeah. So so obviously then you know they disperse and then we cut to poor Trevor. I know. Poor Trevor. What's he being crying really about? Sad and Honestly, pensive on the toilet. How dare he cry <laughs> whilst on the john? I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> How dare he? You know, yeah. just like... <laughs> and Stacey's really cross I know. with her making a steak. Stacey, or a Nipples, t- as I like to call yeah. her at that point. It's just... It's just Stomping around in that big nipples. pink kitchen. It's just... Oh. <laughs> yes. Like, you know. let's cook together. Yeah. And she's, like, annoyed, cutting up that massive... <laughs> Steak, annoying, chucking it, like annoying. And then, like Trevor's all like, "Oh, Helen, oh Helen, yeah." And obviously, we're, we're waiting for him to say Helen five times, and, but doesn't say it five times. He turns the light off, yeah, like you do, and then yeah. says it the fifth time. And then, lo and behold, there she is. Yeah, it's good. That's walking a crew cut. Yeah, but I do yeah. like that. I I I want. I always wanted to see the sequel that was Helen as Candyman. Yeah. I wanted to see that, <clears throat> and I think it's 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 a great way to end it. And I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we get to see Trevor 
such an annoying that's the redemption isn't it (laughs) Trevor getting his gutted in the bath (laughs) and Stacey's screaming her head off not knowing (laughs) you know and then and then so yeah so quite satisfying ending get Stacey's hysterical Trevor's gutted like a fish and then we get that again come in the, the Philip Glass music and then there's that big mural of, of oh, Helen yeah. rising from the flames. Yes, with the She's with the like stuff. sort of like the claw through the picture yeah. as well. Yeah, there's like a, yeah. a crack, isn't there? Across. Yeah, yeah. No, I I thought it was very impactful. I thought the music was incredible. It was like mm-hmm. choral music at parts, the yeah. organ and everything. It was very almost biblical. Um, yeah. So. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was incredible. You don't often hear music like that in that sort of no. film. So, no. yeah, very clever. Um, yeah, just overall, I think one of the one of my favourites, I think. And I think I'll, you know, as much as I feel like I know it in and out, I'll just keep, I'd watch that, you know, every year. I think it's a really good, a really good horror. Yeah. Yeah, I think Helen's character could be fleshed out a little bit more. I'd like to yeah. bear the dead. You know, there, there is, there yeah. are, and that's what, what I find so exciting about this this remake with the, that Jordan Peele's involved in mm-hmm. is that maybe they've addressed the kind of the shortcomings of this. Yeah. And it's not to say that this is this is. I, I, I genuinely love this, and I, and Candyman is up there with my favorite. Films, it's it's up there with my favorite horror films. I I hold it in the same esteem as The Shining, as a film that is much more than it should be. You know, yeah. on paper, if someone yeah. said this is the plot, I'd be like, oh, okay, that sounds great. But yeah. when I watch it, I'm drawn in. I, I, I I'm engaged. I find it interesting. I find that there's that that there's just much more to it. It's layered. Yeah, not always successful. But I, I I love and but I for me also I love films that aren't maybe a hundred percent kind of successful. I like a flawed film. Yeah, I no, like to watch the film and go, oh gosh, if if if, it, if they'd just done that, this would be amazing. Yeah, and, and it's, I think, it's that what would happen. Yeah, I think what, what I agree with everything you've just said, and I think something else I actually quite like about the Candyman is with the with the legend and the story about the race and um us knowing the reality of um you know of the location i think it's something that a lot of people even today could watch that film and miss those really important points because they're not they're not labored throughout the film mm-hmm. you know you're not always directed here but if you are truly listening and watching what's in front of you you will i think if you've got a decent brain understand and and you know catch on to what's going on but then equally if you're just kind of like i don't know eating your food while you're watching it you you'd miss that entire what it's about and i i actually really like that you know two people could watch the same film at the same time and come away from it completely differently because one of them's missed the point and the other one's completely Mm -hmm. got got it and i think it's incredible for that reason if i was in blockbuster in 1990 whatever yeah. And someone said, "Here's Candyman. Go and watch that." I would, yeah. I would find it a very satisfying horror film. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Cut forward to my love of brutalist architecture, my knowledge of academia, my knowledge of, you know, 
to to a point feminism to race and sex and all those things suddenly yeah. this becomes much more interesting and, yeah. and and therefore I'm much more drawn to it again yeah. as opposed to oh yeah it's great that he cuts that guy and it this happens yeah. and that kind of stuff it becomes much more richer I think Definitely. it's like an it's academic those... text sorry Lucy one like I won't put in again but it's almost like you you could imagine that if teach if it wasn't maybe so gory teachers might be making English literature students or English languages deal with this at A level or GCC as a studied text do you know what I mean because it is so much deeper than meets the eye than the cover saying mm. Candyman with a guy with a hook and bees. <laughs> it is so much deeper than that. Sorry, Lucy. No, no, no. It's fine. I, I mean, I was going to say something similar. That that it 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 works on both those levels, and I can't think off the top of my head of many other films of that sort of time and genre that could bear this much pontificating. Yeah. And, and um, and I think you know, I think. What everything we've said, I think, is valid. I don't think I don't think we have overthought it. I think those things are there for for you know um, the viewer who wants to see more to to, yes. to pull them out. And and yeah, most that there aren't that many entertaining um, you know medium budget horror films that that offer that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, but I do I also think like what it is saying about race and class um there aren't many other films full full stop that that actually pull out those themes in in a mm. in as eloquent a way like like really i think you know that it's it's not perfect and it's a bit clunky but it starts to get into some interesting questions around that and that's what i think you know anyone who's uh remade or reimagined the that film you know for today Mm -hmm. that's that's why I'm so excited because you know those people will be fans of the film like us and you know we'll have been thinking about this stuff talking about this stuff for you know years and they're gonna do something good with it I'm sure yeah yeah it is uh, a like I say if you if you if you just look at the, the the character of Candyman that in itself is interesting enough it's just what you do with that you know, and layering it, and 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 kind of, you know, and and I know that the remake that's out this year is about gentrification. It's about kind of what happens to these 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 places, and and you know, I I just think that, that it's such a rich place to start with. I think if you've got an ounce of intelligence, there's so many options and so many avenues to take yeah. that it was infinitely, and and that's what kind of makes me sad that that the two sequels that followed just fell into awful slasher mm-hmm. crap which is mm-hmm. like you know this mm-hmm. is you know he's someone who murders people and that's it and he, he just happens to have you know he's you know it's to do with slavery it's like and it's so clunky and i think it's, it's it is such a shame and so hopefully this uh remake sequel whatever is does how come it as as intelligently as this film does which is Say doesn't always hit the mark, but is is noble in its attempt to yeah. discuss and to touch on things like race and and class and 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 and, and social housing and everything else that and academia and everything that comes in, you know, with that. Um, but yeah, I think I think for 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 me, Candyman is a film that I love 
and I am fascinated with in in a way that I'm not always with other films that have that kind of noble intent to be this is uh, in this film we'll be discussing this and that and I, I think oh gosh it's so clunky yeah I'd rather have something that's like I will entertain you but we will touch on this yeah. rather than the kind of signposting noble kind yeah. of approach to it yeah um, sure final thoughts do, do you see it as a as a love story do you do you, do you do you see it as because there are moments that is trying to be romantic do you think it earns that is it a love story is it romantic is it tragic is it or is it just a story of two people who have a connection I think it's a little bit of the last two. There's definitely a connection. I don't think... I wouldn't say there's a love story because I don't think the love is reciprocated. I think... I think Candyman wants to create, recreate the love he had. And because because of what I said before in, in, in light of Helen not having really a backstory that links with his, his former lady, I think he... he she fits the bill for the purposes of recreating his story, but um, there is definitely a connection, but the connection is her academic, her, her hunger to, to deal with the urban legend and to really, you know, to really find out what's going on. And that's what joins them together. That's what brings them together in the first place. And I think it's, I think it's more circumstantial that she fits the bill for, for what he wants to recreate. I think I see it as a, as a, fated obsessive um supernatural bond that's sort of overlaid onto like the actual horror film for me is about um fear of uh, urban spaces and dereliction and that kind of thing and and, and the but it's told through the medium of of the sort of star-crossed ill-fated lovers thing um so yeah, for me, I can watch it with loads of satisfaction without really caring about the Helen Candyman relationship very much at all. And it's, yeah. it's still totally, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, totally one of my favourite films, despite that. 